The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode, already off to a great start, 88 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati, LOL, on Twitter. With me tonight, we've got the esports department crew. We've got Josh Roberts, at Roberts49 on Twitter. Good evening, y'all. Uh, John George, at the esports plug. How we doing, everybody? And Chris Chung, as we mentioned last week, is going to have a little bit of a spotty schedule moving forward. He was unable to join us for tonight, but... Uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be in and out over the next couple of weeks. All right, big show tonight. First of all, before we do anything else, LPL this weekend. Yes, action starting back up. We got twenty twenty one season officially kicking off Saturday morning, and we will be getting to the full weekend of LPL week one games uh, after. We do our LCK preview. The LCK is going to be starting up next Wednesday, so we want to get our LCK preview out to you guys as soon as possible. We already recorded the LEC, so that will be coming out. Um, I'm probably going to be putting that out this weekend, so you guys are going to have a whole bunch of Gold Card Podcast content to listen to this next uh, this coming week. Uh, should be, you know, it's going to be three episodes after we do next week's episode, so we got a lot going on. Uh, and then we'll have LCS kicking up the week, or LEC kicking up the week after that. So, a lot going on. Uh, I know for us, we're starting to get busy at the esports department, write-ups, the Discord's flowing. We've got uh, all sorts of brand new content coming your guys' way, so feel free to check us out at theesportsdepartment.com. Hit that up on Twitter, and come check out the Discord, because you can get live notifications when new content is posted. So... Let's dive right into this. We got a, we got a lot of stuff to get to tonight, so um, we're going to do the LCK preview first, and I guess we'll go bottom. Well, we've been going bottom up, right, for the suspense factor. So, um, yeah. So the LCK. Let's let's talk like big picture about what the LCK is going to end up looking like. Normally, I like to do this at the end, but I think we're going to end up flowing into the LPL. So let's talk about like our our big picture summary at the top here, and then we'll go into our individual thoughts and tiers and everything. So looking over uh, the the rankings the three of us have put together, it's looking like there's a consensus top two at the very least, like a, like a top tier. Then, you know, it's like a, it's like top two and then there's like a half tier. And then there's like three or four teams in that next group. And then there's the, the bottom of the table separated, however you choose to have them. So, it's looking like we'll say like a two and a half horse race based on how we've we've divvied our percentages up here. Uh, some of us have it a little bit different, but uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit different looking than last season, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, obviously, the biggest one being the change to the rosters affecting. I think the biggest dog that fell off is, is DRX for all of us. So that's definitely. Changing things for how we have the team's power ranked. Um, it's kind of like an oh, how the mighty have fallen type situation. But other than that, 
up towards the top, it'll be a lot of names that you recognize, I think. Yeah. Uh, the, the top, the top, really the top three teams are like almost entirely intact still. Some changes that we're, we're going to get into, but, uh, the, the top of the table was very, very good in the LCK last season. They were, it was a, it was a, you know, you know, stars and studs league last year. The top, I'll say like the top four teams, the four and a half, if you want to include Afrika. But, you know, we saw them struggle. The, the top four teams were pretty set. Like, they were very clearly better than the bottom six. There was a big, big difference between, like, four and five. So the top four teams, I thought, were all very good. I thought any one of them would have been – somebody got snubbed for Worlds. I think any one of them would have been good representatives there. So uh, this time it's looking like it's going to be more, like, between two and four, and uh, we're going to dive into that. So let's start at the bottom. It's looking like the consensus last is going to be the uh, it's going to be Fredit Brion who is taking over Solhei One Prince's spot, and uh, Fredit Brion is also High Fresh Blade or Brion Blade from the Challengers League. That organization purchased the spot once the LCK moved to franchising, so they purchased the spot from Solhei One Prince and. Didn't retain any of the Solhei One Prince players. They're actually they actually just brought in essentially their challenger team plus some changes. So Fred at Brion are comprised of uh, a handful of the challenger team plus a couple of veterans that we've we've seen from the other league. So it's going to be Hoya in the top lane. Hoya is from the Griffin system, and then ended up playing in uh, for Brion uh, Blade in Challenger Korea. He's the only listed top laner. In the jungle, we've got Chieftain and Umti. Chieftain from uh, Billy Billy and Vici over the past couple of years. And uh, Umti, who we've seen in the LCK for a long, long time now. He's like kind of like your journeyman jungler. Uh, spent a lot of time. Let's pour one out because Umti spent years on Jin Air. And that's yeah, a struggle well, bus. He put his time in, so I, I kind of hope he gets he gets to do some stuff here. We'll we'll talk about their prospects in a second, but we're talking about them first, so it's not good. In the mid lane is an interesting one. Uh, we have Lava, uh, formerly of Hanwha Life. Lava had a great rookie season and fell off a cliff last year. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it was like just that the team was bad because he was pretty bad. He got benched a couple of different times last year. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to touch on him in a second. AD carry is going to be Henna uh, from Brion Blade Academy system. Had pretty good numbers down there. Nothing, like, crazy, but was like he was the top handful of AD carries in Challengers Korea. Then we have Delight, who used to be uh, – who renamed from Crescent, who renamed from Wise, who is a T1 Academy development prospect. So – we always look highly on the T1 Academy, like the T1. Uh, what I, I had a nickname for it. It was like the the starting quality professional player factory, basically. <laughs> like some of them are better than others, but like dozens of of really really you know quality players coming from that that same system with SKT and T1. So yeah, bit of an interesting look. We have like parts of the academy team, couple veterans, some promising prospects here. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Fred Upriam? Yeah, so uh, I couldn't talk a minute ago because there was there was some sound, but uh, I think this lineup fits in with what I would have said about an overarching concept for the league, which is I think the LCK is in a really uh, rebuild and win now split for yeah. me. I think 
there's teams that are trying to very clearly try to win right now and teams that are very clearly rebuilding and not very many teams that are like kind of in between. I think for the most part, everybody's kind of solidified where they're at. And this is just a rebuild squad. You know, they're trying, I think they're trying to give, we saw some real highlights from lava in his rookie season. So give him a shot on a new team. See if he's looking better. Um, Umpty, good veteran presence. Chieftain never really got a great shot at being like the full time guy, so maybe give him a shot. And he was pretty uh, good there. during timeshares too. Like he was a pretty good player. Yeah. yeah, and then bring in some younger guys and see how they look. Not a roster I expect much from, but you never know. I mean, we'll see who ends up being, you know, the value from this lineup, and I'm sure we'll see the lineup change next split or next year uh to get rid of people that they weren't happy with and keep, you know, the stars. So reasonable to me. Uh, one thing I want to mention, because I forgot to mention at the top, uh, the thing I like most about this team, actually, uh, besides, so like, this structure of rebuild, where it's a couple veterans, a couple prospects, and like a sophomore player, or like some, something along those lines, like a good blend of veterans and rookies and, and stuff like that, that's, when you're going to rebuild, I think that's the way to do it. Or to go all young, one or the other. So I like, conceptually, how they've done this. I like that the prospects they have are like from quality organizations or have shown a track record of success. The thing I like most about Brion is they have Edgar and his coaching staff. And for those that don't know, Edgar is another one of these like Pantheon coaches in the league scene. He's got two world championships to his name. He's got uh, a a third final that he made. Um, Samsung white, Samsung Galaxy in 2016 made the finals, or Samsung White in 2014 won the World Championship. I think a lot of people, there's a lot of people that think that was one of the better teams of all time. Uh, you had 2016 Sam, he was with Samsung from 2014 to 2017. So they made World Finals, lost to SKT in 2016, and then came back and got their revenge in the rematch the next year, won the World Championship in 2017. So uh, Edgar's got a track record. In in terms of like pure achievements, he's like the second best coach of all time, only Tacoma, who's won three world championships. So, it's isn't it interesting to you that like th- he decided to go with this team? Yeah, to a rebuild team instead of to a, a one of the contender teams. You yeah, know, I'm sure there was some amount of interest in him in the contender team. So yeah, interesting decision by him. Maybe trying something a little new. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? What do you think, Josh? Like, is is that enough to to, like, to me? That was enough to boost them up a little bit like but what, what do you what do you think yeah that's fair um but was edgar the one that he left in like midway through last year yeah. is that correct yeah he left Gen.G yeah. in may last year like between right seasons. so the one thing that that was i mean i definitely think that that's again I, I feel like i always underrate coaching just because it's kind of the hidden factor that we don't necessarily like i feel like a lot of time our impressions of coaches is based on like interviews and things like that yeah. and so especially leagues where we don't get that much exposure to them it's a little bit tougher but it is sort of odd or a little bit for pause that he just like left a world's contending team and then they were fine like they were still like the the exact same team because i remember going into summer downgrading them a bit because of that and then they performed just as well so you know i don't it's really hard to handicap that type of thing when when you see that i mean obviously all those players are great but you know maybe there's something you know I, i don't know i mean it could just be that we're kind of moving into the new age too, because we kind of saw it last year with, uh, with with Coma and uh, in Vici that like you know they just kind of were who they were, and it wasn't anything. I know we've talked about how they had some good underlying numbers, but at the end of the day, like they never put it all together. So you kind of start to wonder if some of these coaches are maybe they're they're the game is 
getting past what they were adding value for or something. And again, it's just so hard to know those without yeah. being able to. It's a very have. difficult thing to quantify for sure. Like yeah. it's you, to me, there's certain things that you can point to in terms of like consistencies in a process that you can identify through characteristics that you're seeing every single game. That's very abstract. That's weird. Like that's stuff that you gotta, you gotta like be watching every single play of every single game and really be dialed into it. I just think like there is something to be said for track record, but I also think like you said, Josh, like you don't want to be, you don't want to bias too much in that direction either. Like you don't want to give this person, you know, all the credit in the world just because they've had success in the past. Like if you look at the rosters that he's had in his career, he's never had like a not top three on paper roster ever. So this is the first time that he's going to be, and and maybe that's what it was for him. Like that was uh, to me, I think I'm pretty sure Coma mentioned that in an interview about going to Vici was and we just saw um Zephyr and Danny from Damwon kind of say the same thing. They wanted they want to build something. They didn't want to just, you know, keep inherit that that's like the next in you know step on their ladder, I guess, or like on their totem pole, whatever it happens to be. Like so I I just found it interesting. I don't necessarily think it's it's a huge upgrade or a huge downgrade, but I found it intriguing that this coach who's a multiple world championship winner, has had stud rosters this whole time, decided to go to the brand new team. So I don't know if he saw something from these players or they just paid him a boatload of money, but it's going to be interesting to see for sure. You you, you do almost one or two, though, if it's one of those situations like we've talked about the past few weeks with the players. Yeah. These four or five players where, like, you know, maybe he left hoping for a – to get onto the T1 stat or, yeah. you know, and then he just didn't get it and he took what it was able to Again, we just don't know, but yeah. but yeah, it, it's definitely odd enough to to at least float that out there as a possibility. Yeah, I just I just think it was definitely worth considering. So um, so you guys all had them at ten. You guys both had them at ten. I had them. At, I boosted them up to nine just because I, I like this coaching staff a lot, and I think they do have the upside. So we'll get to the next team in a second, but I wanted to touch on this. Like as competitive as the LCK looks like it's going to be, John made a good point that it's a lot like the LEC in that you've got a couple of teams that are clearly competing right now and then a whole bunch of rebuilds. And that's going to create a dynamic where you're going to have probably a top heavy league, but I don't necessarily like I look at these teams, these bottom teams and I like both of these teams way more than I liked APK or Sole one last season. Like I like I like all these these bottom 3 teams which, you know, I guess we'll see the next one. That's only because they don't have Mickey on the roster. That's, but, fair. You know. That's fair. But, like, I, I guess the point I – mean, I guess we'll find out. We don't actually know. But, like, I can see this being a situation where, unlike – you see, like, the bottom of the table in the LPL or you have a team like APK last season where I, I don't know if any of these teams are going to be, like, a D-tier team, like a god-awful, like, 0-17 kind of – or, like, 1-17 kind of team. I don't know if we're going to – and, like, even if they end up with a bad record, that doesn't mean they're necessarily a bad team. See, you see it with good teams too. They could have a good record. Doesn't necessarily mean they're that good about it. So I could see the LCK being top heavy in terms of like how it looks and like the overall like premium quality stuff. But I could I could definitely see the bottom teams actually being pretty good despite yeah you know, whatever record they end up with. So I could see the same thing in the LEC, by the way. Like I, I don't think any of those teams are really that bad either. So all right, um, Fred Brion, our number ten, our number nine. I had them at ten. I had them in a separate tier, so maybe I maybe I should just go back on what the hell I just said. But um, number nine is Drag or DRX. It's not Dragon X anymore. My bad. Uh, I had them at ten. John and Josh each had them at nine. Uh, Dragon X are 
pull up my thing here. Uh, Kingen and Destroy in the top lane. Uh, Destroy's kind of been in and out of Challengers Korea, um, solo queue player. Kingen we know from the LPL and previously in the LCK. Played with Billy Billy Lesh for the last couple of years, and he was with KT before that. Uh, Piosik is going to be the only returning member, well, not the only returning member, the only returning starter. Solka, who was just quad, but he renamed, um, is going to be the starting mid laner. And then we've got Bao and Becca from DRX Academy. And that is DRX. So, obviously, oh, I should mention this too before we get into it, is the whole CV Max situation, he's suspended, I think, until at least May, pending whatever this investigation ends up being. So, Song, longtime veteran, former player, longtime coach, is the interim head coach. He was on the staff anyway. So not really a huge change there, but we all, I think, regardless of what you think of CV Max and his methods, you know, you know, I don't want I don't want to speak to like anything until anything substantialized. But there's been rumors about his methods being a little questionable. Regardless of that, the one thing we know about CV Max teams is they're extremely well coached and they're extremely disciplined. So. I do want to do a bit of a downtick there, but we do have most of the same coaching staff, so maybe it's not a huge, huge loss. Anyway, DRX, what do we think? I like – this is a rebuild squad as well, obviously, um, <clears throat> but I do kind of like this rebuild mostly because I do think Piostic is really good, and starting with a superstar or like a star at least uh, I think is a is a big deal. I don't know about superstar, I guess, but starting with a star I think is, is pretty valuable. Um the the guys that they brought in mostly have reasonable reputations. I don't know that any of like any of these guys were on the list of like top three prospects to come out of the uh, challengers Korea, but everybody seems to have a reasonable reputation. And then you start with with Piosik. We'll see how everybody else does, and I expect Piosik to to get better uh, in his sophomore year here. So this seems like a, a team very similar to to Fred and Brian, except imagine if Lava was just like significantly better than Lava actually was. You yeah. know. <laughs> So I, I like it. I think they good upside, but again, probably a team that's going to change in summer or change next year, and then we'll see if they're good at that point. Yeah. I mean, you've got some continuity in terms of the bottom lanes played together. Uh, Quad got to play some last season, not many games. We did get to play, so him and Piosik have been in the same environment. And you bring in King in, who's a veteran. And we don't know if Destroy is going to play or not. I actually don't think we're going to see Destroy. I think it's just going to be King in. But Josh, what do you think about DRX? Uh, I like that they brought up, like like John was saying, I, I just generally like this rebuild. I like that they brought up the entire bot side from their academy or, I guess, challenger uh, team. Um, I think a hidden benefit of that is, like, you're going to have these guys that have learned from playing just endless amounts of scrims against Death and Chovy and uh, and Caria. So, like, I mean, what more do you want, like, in terms of practice for these guys, right? So, I think that that's uh, kind of a little bit of a hidden thing that I think gives him a little bit of upside. And then, like Johnson said, uh, I, I'm pretty high on Piyoshik. I think he's really good, and I think that he is a great place to like just start a, a rebuild around. I mean, this team is probably super young. Uh, I think they're all like less than 20, if I'm looking correctly, uh, or around 20. So that's that's pretty nutty for the for the young core. Um, and then even Keenan, like we, I think we. We're mostly in agreement last year that we thought he was the more talented top laner of the two on Billy Billy. I think they're uh, both pretty good though, so that's saying yeah, right. So I think and I, so I think he's a good piece to bring in. I, I generally like again don't know too much about how these challenger guys will make the jump, but 
like the direction they're headed in and think that they have some pieces to give them a little bit of upside here. We were talking about it before the show started, but one thing to mention too is with that CV Max situation, he has a track record. I mean, it's you know two teams; it's not a giant sample size, but he's shown that he can. I don't want to say nobodies, but he can pick these players out of no. Piosic was literally a solo queue player; wasn't even playing in the developmental leagues, and he was like, "That guy's good. Put him on a team." And now Piosic's like one of the stronger junglers in the league, so. If this coaching staff said this lineup's good to go, or like this is this is going to get there, or this is good enough, then that's saying something. And then you've also got aspects of the rebuild. So if it doesn't work, then you switch it up and you try somebody else in summer. So yeah, uh, that was our consensus bottom two. It's going to get a little bit uh, more divergent from this point forward. Uh, but I think we all had. I right, say, so Josh, you kind of had this. We'll we'll cover them next, I think, because I think they're gonna be the consensus eight. So, uh, Nongshim Red Force. Nongshim Red Force is just Team Dynamics rebranded. So it's Team Dynamics from last season. Uh, they are. Let me pull this up. How did they get consensus eight? Would you guys have them both tenth? Uh, I had them at eight. Josh had yeah. them at eight. Yeah, they're they're actually they're tied with they're tied at seven. Uh, I, I I put the composites up yeah. there. In the top oh, here. I didn't I didn't see it there. Okay, cool. Got it. Got it. Got it. Nice. But uh, thank you. Yeah, they're, they're tied at seven. John John has them higher than than Vince and I do. So yeah, all right. So me and John or me and Josh each have them at eight. John has them at all the way up at four. Wow. So we'll we'll dive into that. But let me just go over the roster and then I'll let you. Um, Make your bull case here, John. So, Noxian Red Force, bring back uh, Rich, who was actually amazing last year. And for those that don't know, Rich was a Heroes of the Storm professional and is basically the faker of Heroes of the Storm. Like, Wayne Gretzky is, like, the best of all time. A lot of people consider him the best of all time at that game. Made the transition to league last year, became a pro player, <laughs> and was good. So... I think Rich is really, really good. I don't think the hype is overrated at all. I think he's just very solid, and I think he's going to be another year better. So, Rich, I'm excited for. They bring in Peanut from LGD. We just saw him at Worlds. Peanut, long and storied career. We we, we kind of know what Peanut is right now. He's just good. Uh, very solid player. Very, very, very good still at getting the action started early and getting his team ahead that way. So, uh, they're going to go with Bay in the mid lane. And then Doc Dom's returning at 80 carry. They also brought in an academy player, Wayne. And Kellen from Gen G. And Gen G, if you guys don't remember, had Kellen in life kind of two-thirds, one-third splitting the support time. So, John, you were really, really bullish on, on Nongshim Red Force. So, yes. make your case here. I'm a Red Force fan. That is Kespa Cup finalist Nongshim Red Force yeah. to, you, to you peasants. <laughs> No, actually, I really like this team. I, I think Rich is very, very good, like you said. I think Peanut has been great the last the last little while here. I think his time in the LPL was great. I think he's just been a good, been very good recently. And uh, if he brings that to this team, I think that's what this team needed for me last season when they were Team Dynamics. I felt like they were way too conservative in general as a team, and bringing in Peanut, I think, is a really good idea for a team like that. I like Diokdam. I actually think he's a very good eighty carry, probably middle or above middle of the league eighty carry. I think Kellen is uh, acceptable at least. Like I don't think he's going to be bad. I think he'll be at least solid and acceptable. The only real question mark for me is Bay. 
Um, I just don't know enough about Bay yet. Um, I think if Bay is good, this team is going to be very good. If Bay is mediocre or bad, then this team will be like middle of the pack. But I think Rich Peanut and Deoxdam Kellen is enough to to end up like at least in the middle of the pack. I don't think we're going to see this team in eighth, no matter what. I think you're going to see like fifth or sixth, uh, depending on how Bay turns out, and as high as fourth if Bay turns out to be a pretty good mid laner. Uh, I just I really like what this team's done. I think they've got a good. This is like a top level rebuild almost. Not even a rebuild because it's the same players, but it's like this is WE style. Yeah, it's, it's, take it's what was w- working. Style. You guys know I was high on WE as well, so I, I just like what this team's doing, and I think they have the upside of like a third or fourth place, and probably a downside of like sixth place for me if they're if things aren't working quite as well. That's fair. Uh, so for those that don't know, and I'll just throw it to Josh right after this, but Bay was another one of these Griffin Academy players. So like, there's a couple teams that we really pay attention to their developmental systems. T1's the obvious one. Uh, Griffin is the other one in recent years, and Gen G is, is the other one that we, we tend to give a lot of credit for. So I want to say DRX, but it feels like it's mostly just... Maybe we do need to give more credit to DRX because it's it, CB Max wasn't always there. So anyway, uh, what do you think of Nonsham Red Force, Josh? Yeah, I don't, I don't have much to like disagree with what John said, except for I understand the peanut edition. I just am not as excited about it. So I think that's actually like just pretty much the crux of the difference here is that I'm not certain that Peanuts like style of play will transition well to a, a team like this with the identity they had or B just back into the, uh, to the LCK in general. Um, so I'm a little bit skeptical of those two things. And that, that's kind of what knocked them down for me. It felt like he is kind of, I don't know. To me, he just felt like someone who, who could come in and really like disappoint him in this type of spot. But if that doesn't happen, I think they could be ranked, you know, several spots higher, like John said. Um, I also am not super excited about the bottom lane. I do think, like, the problem is I agree with John that everyone's solid. I just, for some reason, like, as opposed to LPL, where we've said that, like, a team that's solid across the board can be good, or was that LEC when we were talking about? Maybe it was LEC, can be, like, top of the league. I don't necessarily know that that can cut it in LCK for me, just because, like, the the depth of talent here is just like hard for me to give them the edge of some of these teams that have higher upside players in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not quite as high on Doc Tom. I think he's fine. I think he's a starter. Uh, I would have him like toward the bottom range of starters personally. But he does bring his niche picks too. He's obviously we got the Heimerdinger a couple times last season. He he plays some of that weird stuff and he's a good mage bottom lane player. So you know he he reminds me a lot like him and Ghost kind of fill a similar niche. Where they're 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 to me they're obviously not as good as like the, the the studs. They're not they're never gonna be Teddy or you know like they're never gonna be at that level. But and I I don't even think they're quite to the middle of the table either. But they're good enough to be starters playing the normal stuff, and they also have that that utility of being able to mix it up with something else. So that adds kind of a, a different dimension. Even if I even if I'm not necessarily high on him individually. Um, it does give them some some neat things that they can do in the draft that maybe I'm not giving enough credence for as well. So, I will say, like when we talk about eighty carries, and we've talked about this before, about eighty carries kind of being the most replaceable position, and that the the top of the world of eighty carries are different than everybody else. Yeah, like you know the Uzis are different than almost everybody else, but when you get below the Uzi tier, like you know it's kind of replaceable. And I I kind of think that like below the Uzi tier, there's two tiers of guys there's 
like mediocre guys who, if you give them the resources, look like superstars, and mediocre guys who, if you give them the resources, don't look like superstars. And I think Diok Dam for me fits into the category of if you give him the resources, he looks like a superstar. I've seen some Diok Dam superstar games, yeah. but it's because they were building around him and the comp was built around him. And it's not that he's an Uzi, but I do think he's a guy that will get it done if you're if if that's the point of the composition is to get him set up. Then I think he can do it from there. Yeah, I mean, so. I was never – I always thought Ghost was pretty good. I never, ever thought he'd be the, – the whole thing right now is you don't need an absolute stud 80 carry to win. That's just the fact of the matter. Like, that's just what it is right now. So, it, I don't want to call it, like, fullback because it's not. It's, like, obviously this – but, like, there's guys that are, like, elite at that position. They're just, like, clearly better than, like – they're miles ahead of everyone – like in that next group, and if everyone's doing that, that it's it's like we just saw Damwon utterly trash everybody, and go. It was mostly I want to say it was mostly Barrel, but it was that combination. So the other thing to consider here is like maybe like Kellen getting full time starter reps. Maybe Kellen's just a beast. Kellen is a good player. We've seen it. Like he, I mean, obviously he's been on pretty good teams his whole career, but like. I don't say that because he's on Jenner as well, but Kellen's a pretty good player. And if Kellen and Doctum can end up having this like ghost barrel situation, like dynamic, and the rest of the team is pretty good, then yeah, I can definitely see that kind of ceiling situation. To me, Noxium have a pretty wide range of outcomes. They're like kind of the the like I could see this team. I put them eighth just because they have the most questions to me personally. But I do like this team, and I'm going to be backing this team a lot because I think they're going to be way underrated early. So, um. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to them. They're, they're going to be an interesting team because I, I think they're going to be. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, you're right, John. A lot, but a lot hinges on Bay for sure. Let's see. Anything else on Noxium Red Force? All right. Uh, that was our consensus eight. Moving up to seven, we have. They're calling it Live Sandbox. I don't know what the lives for. I tried to look it up, and I was like, I, I'm not going to sift through this. It's Sandbox. Uh, sandbox are um, Summit is returning. There looks like they're going to be starting Croco, who's who is another one of these like highly. He's like another one of these super prospects. He's, a lot of people been looking forward to seeing him. So that's looking like he's going to be the starting jungler. Then we're going to have Fate, and then Root and Leo are both returning, and then they brought in Effort from T1. This this lineup looks pretty good to me, but it also looks like. Does this seem like it's a safer, like they were a, like less risky version of Nongshim? Yeah, and it feels the team that I like really associated with this team is Vitality in the LEC. You're bringing back a lot of the same guys. They were all right last year. Let's see if they've you know taken some improvement in the off season. If they've taken some improvement in the off season, they got a new player in there. Will will the new player take them to a new level? Has everybody improved in the off season? So I, they feel kind of similar to Vitality to me. I think they have some floor and some ceiling, depending on how the offseason has treated them. You know, they were a bottom, what, three or four team last split. Now they brought in a prospect. Maybe he bumps them up a little bit, but it's hard to see them going above, like, you know, fifth. Yeah. It's interesting to me that, like, I can see this team, and, like, I look at each player, and I'm excited about each of these players, but for, for whatever reason, just, like, gut-checking, like, straight gut-checking, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't see them 
making playoffs and beating anyone. Like maybe they sneak in if they run hot and they get like the fifth seed or well, we're going to talk about that in a second because they reformatted the playoffs. But uh, maybe they sneak in and make some noise. Like this team's talented for sure. I think effort was one of the best supports in the world last year, really anywhere. Summit we've seen be a stud before, kind of mentally. Ch- Summit last year kind of reminded me a little bit of like, you see this with pro athletes, not very often, but every once in a while, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. But guys that are like clearly checked out, and you hate to see it, but it does happen from time to time. And he definitely had moments last split where like after they – Especially toward the end of the season, after they weren't in playoffs, he was just he was just overplaying like crazy. He was just trying to like build his own highlight reel, and I, I tend to look down on that. But it's also like you have to understand the situation, and not everyone responds to that. And as uh, as much as I want like robots, that's not the case sometimes. So, so we've seen Summit's ceiling before. He can be the best. He can be one of the best top players in the league. We've seen it. We saw flashes of it still last year. So. Yeah, and and then even fate. Fate was pretty good a lot of the time last year. If he gets better for another year, or so what do, what do you think about Sandbox, Josh? I actually, when I looked at this roster, I realized that I just might just think that Yamato's trash because I yeah. think all are good, and I don't know if that's a hot take, but I think that that might be where I'm landing here, and I guess we'll find out, but. Man, like I just like I feel like they just have so much talent across the board, um, and even if they don't go with Crocker, like I think Onfleek is serviceable enough too. But I just feel like they have pretty good talent across the board, and I think bringing in a veteran like Effort um, can really go a long ways on a team that kind of lacked an identity and lacked consistency. So I, I actually like this team a lot, but it's just a a very deep middle of the table here, and it was tough for me to put them above like six. They feel like a gatekeeping team. But I do have three teams that I think are going to compete for that fifth seed. So I, I think they're just, they're firmly in the mix. Um, but that, you know, they have enough question marks to keep them out. I, I definitely think they have the ceiling to, to, to be better. Yeah. I think, uh, the, the, the Yamato, the Yamato thing, I think one thing worth considering is I, I do think effort is a pretty substantial upgrade to both supports that they had last season. So, and then on fleet, I actually think last season on fleet did not have a very good season. We know he's capable of more than that. So maybe that confluence of those two things didn't really help Yamato's case very much, but yeah, I, there might be some truth to that for sure. Uh, and, cause this team looks really, really talented to me. So now they're like kind of wide range of outcomes. Like the more I'm thinking, like my gut check was like, eh, I don't know, but I mean, if if everything pe- this is like a vitality situation, like John said, if everyone peaks at the right time, then yeah, I could definitely see it. That was so like that was my B tier. I have the bottom four in a B tier. I changed my mind. I had DRX lower, but I'm, I'm putting them in with everyone else. So I had a four team B tier. B tier being like they need a lot of things, a couple things to go right to make to make a playoff push. Uh, let's see, John, you had similar. You have like a like a two and two for your bottom four. Is that like a B minus and B plus, or like a B and a C kind of situation? Yeah, I mean, I think any t- any of these teams outside of maybe the bottom two is at least capable of being a playoff team. So I guess maybe my bottom tier is the only tier that I don't think is playoff quality. But I think Sandbox or or the other team that I have down there 
uh, are definitely very capable of ending up in the playoffs if things go right for them. So you think it's, it's like a B minus more than a C kind of situation? Yeah. 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 That, that's where I'm at too. So, and then Josh, you have a bottom three and then a, you have Breon, Dragon X and Nongship Red Force as your, as your B. And then we're going to move up to the next. You had Sandbox at f- six. So in the middle of this next group. So let's get to that next group. Uh, next team. This might, you know, this might be pretty controversial because I think a lot of people are really, really hype on this team. But, like, I was thinking about it. I was like, people were super hyped about this. But we talked about it on the roster show. So the next team's Hamwa Life. We had them consensus sixth. Uh, I think it's just, they just had a weird offseason. They get in Chovy and Deft, right? They lose Lehens and Viper. Or not Viper. They lose Lehens. Yeah, Lehens and Viper. I'm dumb. And so they pick up Deft and Chovy. And then, like, that was it. They didn't really they, – they got a couple like a couple of these younger guys, and they brought a lot of the guys that played last season back. So here's what's weird about this. And I, I'm going to play, like, a little devil's advocate because we've been, we've been saying how much we like the blend of, like, veterans and two rookies and how much we like the sophomore effect or whatever we want to call that, right, where we like the players coming into their second year and everything. I'm just having a hard time being excited about the non-Chovies on this team, basically. So I'll, let's go over the lineup real fast. So Hama Life, just to quickly recap, uh, they bring in Morgan from the LPL. They still have Dudu, who played last season, who was decent. Um, revolving Dora Jungler, just like it was last season. I think we're going to have that again unless one of these guys stands out. So they have Cad, who played a fair amount last season, was uh, not impressive. Bring in a prospect in Johan, and they bring in Arthur, who used to be Miru from Direwolves in the OPL. So, the first Oceanic import to Korea. That's kind of cool. So, yeah. I, then they have Chovy, Deft, and Vista is going to be the support who we saw a lot of last year. So, those three I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with. You know, I, I think Deft is still very, very good, but might at this point in his career be a tad overrated, just name brand value. Still very, very good, though. Chovy is Chovy. We all know the deal with him. And then Vista, I think, was like rock solid. Like, he was solid last year. It's hard to – like, they were not a good team. And it's pretty tough to judge the support on a good team, but he actually graded out pretty decent. So, so like, let's go with Morgan, Cad, Chovy, Deft, and Vista. Like, what do you what do you think of that that lineup? Knock knock. Who's there, John? <laughs> it's the bad news bear, HLE. I know this guy. Not... <laughs> it's not my first time making an appearance at your house here. I have some. Uh, this is my hot take for the LCK here. I don't. I don't think HLE is going to be very good at all. Um, Chovy, as excellent as Chovy has been, this is going to be our first look at Chovy on a bad team, like just bad. Yep. Like well, at least where his teammates are not like capable of keeping up with him, probably. And what, I was very worried by what I saw at Worlds from Chovy, in that when his teammates were not winning, I never like okay. When top esports is behind, I always feel like Knight can just win the game for them. And I did not feel that way about Chovy at all at Worlds. It never felt like he was having enough of an effect when his teammates were losing. He still, like, he would post some good scores. You'd look down and Chovy would be, like, 4-1, and one, but his team would be down 4 or 5 kills. And he, it never felt like, oh, man, this is the team fight where Chovy turns it around and crushes everybody. Um, Deft, I think, was already kind of on a downtrend. Obviously a legend of the scene, but... 
I think he hasn't looked as good as in previous years. He was still good. Don't get me wrong. He also had Carrier supporting him, which I think is can't be understated here. <laughs> yeah, Carrier was supporting him. So now you take Deft, who I think is on a downtrend. Chovy, who I don't think has looked good unless his team was good. And you put them with three guys that I think are probably middle to bottom of the league, depending on Morgan. I do think there's a chance that Morgan could have a big year here. Still kind of a young guy. I like guys coming from the LPL to the LCK. They do introduce like a, a cool little ratchet in the plans a lot of times different in the dynamic, LCK. Different dynamic, yeah. For me, Morgan is the is actually like the crux. I think if Morgan turns out to be really good this year, HLE could have some ceiling. But the bad news bear says, I think we might end this year saying, man, were we just massively overrating Chovy? And I don't know that we were overrating him, but I think we might end this year talking that way. Like, was Chovy just overrated? Was it all his team? I don't think it was, but we might end up talking that way. Yeah, so during the season, Worlds obviously I think was a little bit different, but during the season, Chovy had some straight-up, like, 1v9 hero games. He had a, he had a handful of them. Like, So I, I don't want to go completely along that, but at Worlds I agree with you. Like, he, I think there's a reasonable case to be made that he, like, disappeared a little bit. He had some good games, obviously, but I mean, you could say the same thing about Night at Worlds. I don't want to hold that against these players, and he's shown the ability to do that, but he does. To me, it's less about him as a player, and it's going to be more about seeing him outside of a CV Max system, because this is the first time we're going to see that. So, like, was he the perfect player for that system, or is he just a really, really good player and was held back by that system? We shouldn't rule that out either. Or was it just a little bit of both? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe he's – the other thing, too, is, like, maybe he regresses a little bit. He's been playing out of his mind for two years now. Anyway, see, so you think Morgan – I, I kind of think the jungle is the crux here because you can get away with a, a passable top lane if you – if the rest of the map's doing stuff or if you have a jungle to back it up. So Cad – didn't grade out very well, but he had some flashes last season. If I think if any three, any of these three junglers, or like a combi- some combination of them, if they can end up being like a league average, like Hamwa jungler as a position, you know, we do like you know we do like Green Bay quarterback or whatever in, in football, right? If if Hanwa jungler can be like roughly league average or like somewhere in the middle of the table or like at least not bad, if they can be that, and Morgan is or Dudu, honestly. If they're just the same thing, like they're just not bad, then yeah, I could see this team being pretty good, and they probably deserve to be elevated. I'm just not very confident in that. So, I just have more questions about this team than I think the the public does. Josh, what do you think about Hama? So, I think Morgan's a stud. I think that's the crux of like the differential in our rankings in general. Um, and I also think that Chovy's a player that can cover up jungle inefficiencies. So I think he's a good play for a jungler to learn how to play it. That being said, I, I don't know who they're going to play at jungle. I think, you know, they have the three options on their roster. And like I said, it could be a revolving door, but I think, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm just hopeful that one of them will stick. Um, but I don't really necessarily think you need to be a world leader for, to, to look good with a mid laner as good as he is. I mean, we're talking about a guy that routinely – Drafted into losing matchups in one lane. One, like every one of them. He's Yeah. So it's tough for me to, to be too down on it. I definitely think what John was saying about Worlds is is worth considering. But again, like we as we've talked about, like Worlds is a pretty small sample size relative to the rest of the season. So I don't want to completely write him off, but I do think it's something that, that we need to weigh in. Um 
but in general, I mean, in general, mid mid laners at world looked like they weren't as good. Like Knight looked the same, like Jilati said. So it's tough tough for me to, to make a big opinion. I do think like this the Vista thing could be scary because like I don't think we've seen him uh or no, we have seen him play He played more in spring. He played a lot in spring. Yeah, but he played eighty carry in spring. Yeah. So I don't think we've necessarily seen him at support other than the Kespa Cup, um, and I didn't watch much of that person, so I'm not sure. Yes. But that could definitely be something that's that's concerning, because, um, like you said, you know, Death is kind of just he's at a high level, but you know, it's kind of like the high level is catching up to him. It's like John has been saying, the younger players are just getting better. So, and or shouldn't say younger, but the newer players, I should yeah. say. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I think this team has a pretty solid floor in that they have. What I think is an, is obviously an elite mid laner, and then I think is a very very good top laner, and then obviously a good AD carry. So I think they have the core to be able to do, to be a very good team personally. Right. So just to give some context to everyone, so Josh had them at four, but Josh's top tier is four teams. So Josh yeah. has them in in that top tier of teams. So John and I had them in the next group, but I, I think John John you and I kind of had the same. Josh, you too, with your with the three that you have grouped here, that like A tier, or that like bottom bottom playoff seeds, like the you know, depending on how many teams you have, like that four to seven or three to seven range, I really think any of these teams can really. If you want to go all the way down to ten, I could see cases for for most of these teams. So the middle of the table, like I I literally copped out on my rankings. I just put like an even weighting on all of them. Like I really. I could see anything. They all have different upside scenarios, different downside scenarios. So uh, I could see the case for Hamwa. Like, and and it makes sense. Like that lines up. Like you you think Morgan's going to be solid. Uh, I'm not quite as confident. I think he's very good. But if you if you're more confident on him, it makes sense that you have them in this next elevated tier because that at that point the only real question mark is is Vista swapping and then if the jungler situation as a whole can end up being something relevant. Yeah. So. Well, it was, and it was weird too, because I know Vince, we touched on it quickly before, but, uh, before the podcast, we started recording, but like, I kind of agreed with you that I thought we was a little bit overrated in general last year, but I thought Morgan was just good. I thought he was one of the players that I didn't think was getting enough love relative because in the LPL, like you had zoom in the shot. Yeah. So he was never going to get talked about. And, um, you and know, Ben now too. Ben, yeah, exactly. Ben, you know, the game doing con situation, like, he was just never going to get talked about. So I, to me, I thought he was up there in probably the top. I'd have to look at a list from last year, but I would guess top five, six top laners. And I think he has a potential to be probably top four in the LCK. Again, I feel like I need to see I all the top you. laners. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I, yeah I, I feel see, like, so you were a little yeah. bit higher. I kind of had him like in the middle of the table. Like he's good. Gotcha. Like just rock solid. Guy very, hmm. very rarely. Had, I'll say this. The guy almost never had bad games. Maybe didn't have too many like crazy standout performances, but he like never had bad games. Losing and he was playing losing matchups a lot of the time too. So I guess that 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 kind of role. I don't want to call him a role player because he's 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 able to do more things than just play Orn every game, which is what he ended up doing with WE a lot of the time. So I don't want to like say he's a role player because clearly I think he could be more than that. But if he's exceptional at that, he was very very good at that. If he has that other layer, yeah, like maybe I'm underrating that that aspect of it, like as as a uh, you know basically as a position player, like he's a specialist. If you want to talk about, it. I don't know, I, I I can see the I can see the bull case for Morgan is what I'm saying. So, um, 
next up, anything else on Hot Wildlife? John, you got anything else on them? No, yeah, I just think I think this team is my my pick for the big underperformance. Yeah, in the LCK of the year, I think another one. They're they're another wide range of outcomes team for me. It's weird, like this middle of the table. I think any of them could do well, and I kind of put a couple teams in the middle. But a lot of the teams there, a couple the ones that we're going to get to, I think are like high floor, like medium ceiling. Whereas these teams are like low floor, high ceiling. Like I could see them being really, really good or really, really bad regarding uh, sandbox and Hamwa life. So um, next up. We have Afrika Freaks, I think unanimously in our A tier at some different position. I had them at five, John had them at six, and Josh had them at five as well. So uh, Afrika Freaks, uh, they are bringing back a lot of familiar faces. Uh, Keen, staying in the top lane. They also brought in Trap, but I'm... I really doubt we're going to see much of that. It's going to be keen, I would guess. Dread in the jungle returns. No other listed junglers. So, good chance Dread's going to be your full-time starter here. I'm just going to double-check that. Yeah. Uh, Fly and Keeney are going to be battling for the mid lane spot. Fly actually had a pretty good season last season. Keeney was on Solhei 1, played some with Solhei 1 last season. I was not impressed, but that team was also terrible, so it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, and then, interestingly, they bring in Bang and Lahens for their bottom lane. So, Afrika, long history of, of good bottom lanes. You had, uh, I'm trying to think back off the top of my head now. You had uh, Tucson and Aiming. I'm trying to think of, like, I'm, I'm like, backtracking. Yeah, Kramer and Tucson first. And then, then it was Aiming and Tucson, and then I think Jelly was there, too. And then you have Mystic and Ben last season. So Afrika have always had like a, a, a very good, like not even solid, like just good bottom lane. So uh, difficult shoes to fill. One thing I wanted to mention, uh, longtime coach, I love Oov, uh, Coach Choi, has been with this team since like 2015. I don't remember off the top of my head. It was like 2015 or 2014 or something. He's been with this team a long, long, long time. He's out. But... Rigby was here last year. He's going to be the head coach. And former player Lyra is going to be the assistant. So not a total overhaul at the coaching, but I did think that was important to mention because you had a, a guy that – I'll say this. Afrika missed the playoffs twice in the last, like, 12 seasons. They've been in the playoffs 10 out of 12 seasons. They very rarely had bad years. So maybe something to be said for the coaching staff. Coach choice. What's up? Don't you think? Like, interesting coach choice in yeah. the, like – Whenever I hear about a player becoming a coach, like when they told him it's like Mithy coming a coach and all that, usually I'm thinking to myself, that makes sense. Like this guy was known as like a pretty smart player, but maybe not very mechanically gifted. Lyra was like known as like the smallest brain jungler of all time. Like, I don't know, he was man. A good like he was a good player for a long time, but He's he was not good. known for being like a strategic genius. He was known for like being mechanically talented and making a lot of boneheaded decisions. So just kind of interesting. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad coach. I just thought it was, it stuck out to me as an interesting person to end up as a coach. Yeah. That's yeah. Good point. I think, uh, we'll see. I suppose it's hard to tell with assistant coach. It's hard enough to tell. I'm not actually insulting him either. Just just when he was a player. Like, yeah, he was known for occasionally having a blunder or two. Always reminds me of like the dudes that were like just goons in hockey becoming coaches. It's like, oh, this guy scored, like, four goals in his career. <laughs> it's like, what are you... But, 
You could make the I guess you make the argument it's like oh these guys had to be better if they didn't have I don't know. anyway that's a different discussion. So keeping the top trio intact, the top trio was pretty good last season. Afrika were pretty good last season. They have been the gatekeeper team. Like this team stomps the teams below them. I think they lost one match to a team in the bottom four last season, and they really struggled to beat the good teams. They did sometimes, but they were very clearly. You know, you must be this tall to ride in the LCK. And I th- I kind of see this team as maybe doing that again, which feels bad. But, like, Bang and Lehens is interesting, though. Right? Like, that's an interesting – so I actually think Bang, over the last couple of years, you could, you could make the strength of competition argument for him. Like, what was he really playing against? But has not had great supports. Has not had synergistic supports, more importantly – He's been on some, like, not great teams, and he's still putting up crazy efficiency numbers in terms of, like, damage per gold and, and you know, his overall damage, raw damage. So I still think Bang can play. I really do. Like, maybe he transitions back to the LCK and it's a different level and it's, like, shock to his system, but I think Bang was, like, quietly very, very good last year, and... Maybe returning home gives them a bump. Maybe it's the opposite. And then Lehens, we know, was just in Hanwha prison last season. The team was really, really bad. Lehens was still very, very good. I-, I think this team's got, like, a super high floor and, like, medium upside. Yeah, how do we feel? For me, the problem is mid yeah. and possibly jungle. I mean, I think we've all loved Keen for a long time. I think Keen's capable of coming into form. I think their bot lane's pretty good. Yeah. Like kind of like you said, I think Lens and Bang is a good upside bot lane. I'm worried about Fly, man. If yeah. it's going to be Fly again, I'm worried about Fly. Yeah, I was worried about him last split. I'm worried about him again. I think what gets me about Fly is like we saw maybe his best season ever last season, and he was like mediocre mid laner. Like he was like yeah, league average mid laner at like. Yeah, they were still this tall to ride, even with him having his best season. Yeah, so I. Dread, I like. He's he, Dread's one of these, you know, more indexes toward playmaking than and counter jungling than like pure efficient junglers. So, like more toward the Harrow end of the spe- the Harrow or Karsa end of the spectrum than you know the Kanavi end of the spectrum where it's like just brutal efficiency or SOFM even. Uh, he's more on that end. So there's just going to be uh, the other thing I'll mention with specifically Dread and Fly is they are kind of meta dependent players fly originally was famous for playing the global he played pantheon twisted fate aurelian soul and he was like the global roaming guy he was the pre-teacher ma he was the original teacher ma right pre-dwimby pre-teacher ma like that was he was the guy that was like his shtick right and he developed last year part of why i think he was actually pretty good last year is he developed the more like control traditional role and he's better at it than he used to be. He used to be a liability in those spots. So I do still think that th- there's a lot of volatility here, right? Like I say high floor just because the quality of players is pretty good, especially like the – and the, you have a lot of continuity, uh, overall pretty good quality of players and known quantities. So it's pretty easy to know the floor for this team. But I do think one thing to consider is – Dread and Keen both are like meta dependent players, like I was just saying. So if they get a favorable meta where Dread's champions are in and Fly's champions are in, yeah, this team could maybe punch up to that top tier. 
be a playoff team, be a, you know, probably up, pull some upsets once in a while. If flying keen or if flying um, dreads pulls not in at the time or for an extended period of time and they don't have, they don't adapt and ha- add that extra dimension, then you got to downgrade this team a little bit, I think. So, I still think, like, even in, like, the, the bear case where the meta's bad for Dread and Fly, I still think this team's good enough with... with I, I also just think Keen's still a monster. Like, I, <laughs> this guy this guy feels like he's he's just been stuck in the middle of the table for, like, three years now. Like, put this guy on a, on a top team. I want to see what he can do, but... Yeah, Josh. What do you think? What do you think about Afrika? Uh, I mean, you said earlier, but they're just the most classic gatekeeper team to me. And like, I don't mean don't mean to say that to discount their upside, as I do think you know. If like you said, if the stars align, this could this wouldn't surprise me to be a top three even team competing with the top three. But I feel like at this point, we've seen enough to be able to confident, somewhat confidently, project them not doing that. Yeah. Um, so maybe the offseason changes are enough to help them, but until then, I, I just can't really rate them higher than fifth place for me. Yeah, they were, they were kind of like, I, I didn't want to put them higher, but I can also see the upside case, but I can't justify putting them any higher than that, period. Like, I just couldn't right. do it. I tried. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, are Freaka just going to be permanent fifth place? He's <laughs> permanent fifth place. Maybe it's sixth place now because it's six playoff teams instead of five. Is that is that the they're, the they're the last playoff team every single season except for like that like right. except for, what was it like 2019 I think they finished like second in the spring or something like that but yeah um I just want Keen to be on a good team man like this and they are a good team they're just not a great team so uh next up that was our A tier I think we covered all the A like A tier teams across the board for three all three of us We'll go with our – wow. All right, so consensus four, but – oh, no, they're going to be in this tier two. This is the last A-tier team, sorry. Uh, consensus four is KT Rolster. So it's kind of interesting to me that th- – they-, they remind me a lot of, like, Afrika, but I think I like their upside a little bit more. So KT Rolster, pick up Doran from Dragon X. They're going to – Figure something out in the jungle here. I'm gonna to touch. I'm gonna to come back to this. I want to get the rest of the roster, and I'll come back to it. They have Ucal in the mid lane uh, as well as Prospect and Vikla. They bring in Hybrid, who was like the lone standout player from the entire Solhe One APK experiment. Hybrid, I actually thought was pretty good, and it's really hard to stand out as an AD carry on a team that bad. So, kind of maybe a little bit of his Wuji Zanwuji situation going on. Zanwuji 2019, I'll say. Uh, and then they have Rebel and Zeus. Rebel we've seen a little bit like three or four years ago on Barbecue Olivers and then Zeus. So they're going to battle the support position. They also have – let me touch Jungle. So Jungle, they have three junglers. They're going to do like the Hamwa thing. We have Blank, who we've seen from SKT. He's a pretty serviceable player. He's uh, pretty solid. Prospect Bonnie. And then Gideon, who is also a prospect. A lot of people are considering like Gideon the, the top – prospect coming into this season from the challengers korea just an absolute monster i, I think gideon's gonna be really really good uh, especially because i think the he might just trash i don't know I'm, I'm excited for him i think he's gonna end up being the starter but blank is also very very good so you have a good case there i want to mention two of the subs they have because um five kid 
and Harp, five kid especially had crazy, crazy efficiency numbers in Challenger Korea. Like if you go look at his statistics, they're like kind of crazy. Different level of competition for sure, but I think there's a chance we see him if Hybrid or Noah don't work out. So, KT Rolster, what do we think? So, I almost had the Bad News Bear rejoin us. Uh, I actually think Gideon is going to be the best player on this team. I think that's not unreasonable. Which is, a, a, which is a, an interesting take, I think. But I think I'm done with UCAL. I think I'm done with him. A few years ago, he was a superstar, top prospect in the league, probably. Since then, I just keep saying, like, we know he can be a superstar, but I haven't actually seen him be a superstar yeah. in a while. And so I'm kind of – this. he's got another shot here. There's a roster here with him that, that can maybe make I a I mean, splash. they kept him. He's the only one they kept. Yeah, he, there's a roster here where maybe he can prove me wrong and have a, a, another big year this year. But I, I'm kind of starting to move out on UCAL. I like hybrid. Um, I'm not a fan of either of the players that they have prepared for support. And I'm not as big of a fan of Doran as some other people. So for me, I think Gideon has to come through, but I think he's going to. And then I think UCAL has to return to previous form, which I'm skeptical of. Yeah. And then a hybrid has to not fall into a well. And if if they if those three end up being good, like continue to be good, a hybrid, Gideon, and UCAL, then I think you could see this team be like sneak into a top four spot in the league. Yeah, that, that I'm, just, I'm, in the I'm same a little spot. bit. I'm slightly suspicious that 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 all of those things will happen, but it's definitely they could be a top three or four team if if things are going well for them. Yes, I, I think where or like where we uh, are gonna like where our where we rate this team is gonna be in disagreement is uh, I I actually do trust you, Cal, to get back to it. I do. Th- I mean, I I see every case you made. Like, I think it makes perfect sense to not want to trust this, but I. I've seen too much in the past for how good this kid can be, and he's 19. He's literally 19 years old. Over the hill, Gelati. He's basically a maybe, boomer. Maybe, yeah, he's an esports boomer, hey, right? Does he even know anything about games? Esports boomer, right? Yeah, like maybe that's why I have them so high. I have them at four. I have them at the top of this A tier. I'm a little higher on Doran, but I do agree that like he's probably like he's like a, I have him like middle of the table. I think he's like a solid like like solid middle of the table top laner and he can do everything, which I think is very important in the LCK. Cause a lot of times we see, we see weird top lane metas in the LCK where like Jace is just like the priority pick and he can do that kind of stuff. So I think, uh, I like doing a little bit kind of like it's similar vein to Morgan where like, it's that rock solid guy that has enough versatility that I think he, you got to like uptick him a little bit for that, but he's not, He's definitely not like in that superstar caliber of top laners. <sighs> yeah, I, I think this is just I'm hype on Gideon and UCAL, and I, I don't know if the bottom lane's even gonna matter. So like, I'm bullish on UCAL and Gideon, or even if it's UCAL and Blank, I think that could be very good too. So that's why I'm higher on them, but I still just have them. We're gonna get to our percentages in a little bit, but I, I kind of still have them in the middle of this A tier. What about you, Josh? Yeah, uh, for me, this team just has, like, a lot of moving pieces. 
And that's always something I'm a bit skeptical of. Um, and it also has, I mean, to, to also be fair, like it has a lot of names that I'm not familiar with. I'm not as in tune with the challenger career scene. So, uh, I like, I knew Gideon was a, as a highly touted prospect from back in the Griffin days. Um, but again, it's kind of odd that he has, he never got a shot. So maybe this will be it, but I don't know how you ever like bring yourself to start him over Dub and UCAL. Um, just cause like, I feel like they have the veteran mentoring the rookie type situation there. So just from an organizational perspective, I think, I don't know. It's going to be weird to see. Um, but I, I could see their upside there. I'm just pretty skeptical of this team in general because I feel like I kind of feel like how John does a bit on UCAL. I think he has the upside, but you got to show me something. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's in prove it mode for you. Yeah. It's, it's like, I feel about this team. How I think it was how Chris felt about, I think RNG where he's like, I want to be higher on you, but you got to show me something. Yeah. You've heard me too many times in the past. It's right? yeah. Chris with RNG. It's a love hate relationship, right? Yeah. So that's, I, I ended up having them at sixth in my, uh, in my A tier. Um, but again, I think they're competing for the playoffs. I just have them, or I guess I had, or I'm sorry, I had them at seventh. Um, I think they're competing for that, for that playoff spot, but. I don't know. It, they're a tough team. I could see the wide range of outcomes argument here. Um, but I just like, I don't know. There's not anything that I particularly love about this team. And even if it is for you, like the UCAL Gideon factor, like, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like I can play both at the same time unless one of them is the top lane or something. So, well, he's, uh, he's going to be playing jungle. Oh, shoot. I'm completely. Pulled over the wrong yeah, guy. Sorry, they look all right. There are no non stim red force. That's basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, the the middle of the table is extremely difficult because there's a lot of moving pieces. But like, so there's a lot of moving pieces. But like the ones that the the biggest question marks we have are like veterans that used to be good that could be good again, or super or like strong prospects, or they're just teams with a lot of new pieces and the players all have been pretty good. So there's like a huge palette of different teams in the middle of the table here. And I could see the up, like there's an upside scenario for all of them that I think is totally within reason and a downside scenario that I think is totally within reason. So yeah, it's weird. You're like almost trying to judge who's going to be the least variant of them in a weird way. So unlike the rest of the LCK, I think the top of the table, I don't think any of us really have too many questions about the overall quality. It's just about, who we think is going to be the best, essentially. So we'll move up to consensus number three, which was pretty, I don't want to say unanimous, but like it's there's a pretty big jump between four and the top three. Josh made a differentiation. Like I said, he has the top four. He has Hamwai in there as well. But our consensus three, all, th- all of us had them at three, which is maybe a bad sign. I don't know. Gen G. So Gen G are running it back, essentially. Um. Yeah, they run it back. They bring in they bring in a couple a couple subs, kind of doing the um, the JDG thing. Brought in flawless and and Karis, uh, flawless from Rogue Warriors. So, yeah, Rascal Clid, BDD Ruler in life. They were, I don't know. We were kind of all on the same page. I think in that like this team was this team was an elite team. Like they were a world class team, and they just had a bad tournament. Like I. Maybe you guys were a little bit lower on them than I was, but I think we all had them like in our top four or five for worlds, right? 
Yeah, they were. I can't remember exactly where I had them in Worlds, but it was somewhere right around that range. And I do think the roster is good. I think the the kind of the only problem is, is kind of a thing that you like to say all the time, which is like the only thing that they did wrong is something, and the only thing that they're doing wrong is not being better than Dam One and T One. I yeah. think. Like, I think they're. I think they're a very good team. They have league winning potential, especially if it just comes down to one series on one day versus one of these teams. You know probably have world championship potential if it comes down to one or two series on one or two days, but I still don't think they're going to get the nod by many people over either of the top two teams that we have listed. There might be some people that like them more than T1, uh, but it's, it's tough to get the nod over damn one for anyone in the world right now. And so it doesn't, you know, they can't really be a favorite to win the league, but I think they're a good team. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do the, I'm going to throw this, this comp out there and you guys tell me if it's a little too out of touch. Obviously, top esports won their league domestically. Genji didn't, but doesn't this remind you a little bit? Like top esports just is, top esports is running it back. They know they know that they just had a bad tournament, and that that was that's the vibe I get from Genji is they know that they were good, and if they didn't, they wouldn't be doing this. Like they bring in some guys, they bring in supplements. They're not they're not changing the starting five. So to me, that shows confidence. Shows confidence, like organizationally, and similar to top. I think it's it's hard to argue with not running it back, especially if you're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna do it right this time. So, yeah, Josh, what do you think? What do you think? Is that is that too out of line? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, good team, and they stayed the same. Like I have them finishing pretty much the same. Uh, I think the other teams that made upgrades may have passed them slightly, but when we get to the percentages, we're talking about. You know, very, very minute differences here in percentages for me. Um, I think I was one of the lower people on Gen G last year just because I thought they were one of those teams that bullies up bad teams and can't, like, you know, they're like a pick on your own size type guy, but they proved me wrong plenty of times on that tape. So uh, I definitely think they have the upside. They, they have good players all around, solid roster, and having the chemistry of having the same five is always something that's going to be exciting. Um, Although it, you know, honestly, hasn't, at least for the most, the most part recently, hasn't been a great track record in terms of finishing highly true. with G2, IG, and, and FPX. So maybe it's not as good of a thing as we think. Um, maybe some complacency or something that, that we're overlooking in that process. But, uh, I definitely think that this team is talented enough to, to make another run. I just kind of put this together, but isn't it interesting that it seems like all of these, this type of team is learning because top JDG and Gen G all just added supplemental pieces to maybe be there in case someone wants a rest or something. And they don't want to be, they added guy, they went out and got guys cause they don't want to be just like auto lose those games or something. Cause they have like a rookie, you know, jungler starting or something along those lines. So I just found that I found that was like interesting. Maybe teams are starting to learn. Maybe management's actually learning some things over the course of time. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gen G are going to be very, very good. It's just a matter of you know how good you think they're going to be. Like, to, uh, John, you had them like in like a like a half tier below the top two. I put the top yeah, this, top three together. This feels almost like for me, it's almost like an Afrika last year situation, but a little bit higher up the table where like. I don't really see Gen G losing much to teams that are below them, but I think they could struggle to beat T1 and Damwon, depending on how the, everything's shaking out. 
Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. So I, I guess we'll just go right into that. So our wow. So not our consensus number one. Our number two is Damn One Gaming. It was only by one place, but and like I said, like we we the consensus top two was Damn One and T One. We're gonna get to the last one in a second, but Damn One, uh, Damn One add Con. They swapped Nogri for Con. And the coaching staff is is the other big one. So they're bringing in Komen Pumandu and and their staff from Vichy last year, and then you know, obviously SKT before that. So you know, little little musical chairs with the coaching staffs here, and then they swapped an augury for Khan essentially with FPX. And uh, yeah, the other four stay the same. So that's Dan One Gaming. Dan One Gaming maybe the best single season like regular season of league of legends i've ever seen ever was summer last year for them it was like such that that, they were so ridiculously dominant that i don't think we've ever seen anything quite like that before and it's very very big shoes to fill i'm not saying that they're necessarily going to get back to that level but even if they downgrade they were so much better than everyone that maybe this team just deserves like make the case for why they're not number one I guess. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's like two out of three of us don't have them as the top team, but that's a tough. It's a tough case to make, given that we haven't seen anybody be better than them in quite a while. Yeah. Um, the argument is, I do think the teams that are like this, and we I said the same thing with Sunning. I think that even though they were great all season, I do think when teams start to cool off a little bit, sometimes they can readjust coming into the next season. If they were a second or yeah, you know, they were clearly the best team in the LCK. But if it yeah. was like a second or third best team, sometimes they go on a run and they they look like they're clearly the best, and then they come back down and they're a second or third place team again. Yeah, I think Damwon could could come back down to earth a little bit. But the big thing is, I think T we think T1's upgrades are really big. I think is the yeah. only difference maker. Um, and T1's just such a storied organization that you just trust that if they got the right pieces, that they're going to be able to figure it out and win. Just like if you've been watching for long enough. You've doubted T1 they're enough times or believed in they're them. They're the Patriots. Like, yeah, or you believed in them enough times and been rewarded for it that like, when you see them get the, the kind of roster change that they had this season, you just want to go, you know what, I think they're going to figure it out yeah. and, and be the top team. So we'll see. I think it is kind of hard to argue that Dan Juan's not the best team. Yeah, but I, uh, clearly still so have some faith in the T1. I think, I think you, could go, you could go either way, to be honest with you. And to me, like, what's, the, what's the biggest question mark for you? Like, to me, it's the coaching staff. Like we we saw, this is become gonna because we talked a lot about Vici or Rare Adam. Now we talked a lot about we're gonna talk a lot about about Damwon and was the V like the Coma coaching staff? Did he make a bad Vici team look better? Did he not utilize them? Was it a little bit of both? Is maybe he's overrated? Like he's the most decorated coach of all time. We all consider him pretty good. We don't think he's you know perfect. He has some draft issues sometimes. He's coming back. He's taking over the team. I'm. That's that's what kept them like close for me. Otherwise, this would have been way ahead. Is T one upgraded? And I actually do have questions about this coaching staff because the one thing you got to give Zeph and Danny credit for in the entire time they were there. There was a lot of ups and downs. And I'll say this for Coach Kim, too, because they had Coach Kim before this in, in the year before. 
Damwon had times where they just looked slow and stubborn and didn't want to change what they were doing back in like 2019. And they always had coaching staffs that just seemed to get them together. They just always seemed to round them up, get it to like get them together when it mattered. I think Coma's got a good track record of doing that too, but he's coming off of maybe a little bit of a sketchy season. So to me, that's the biggest question mark. I don't think the con, the con thing really, I think is just a side grade. I think they're like, essentially they're both elite players. Maybe you think Nogari's a little better. Maybe you think Khan's a little better, whatever, what have you, but the coaching staff's the biggest question for me. And then maybe like some amount of burnout. Cause this team's been the world's two years in a row. They've had two very long off seasons, made playoffs every year. There's a chance that like maybe this all catches up to them a little bit. It's uh, it's Khan and Ghost for me. I, I personally don't think Nogari and Khan's a side grade. I think Nogari's an upgrade. Uh, like Nogari's the better player of the two, so I think they're downgrading a little bit in the top lane. And Ghost has had seasons where we thought he was extremely mediocre or bad, like seasons where we thought that they should get rid of Ghost and get a new eighty carry, yeah. and other seasons where he looked like a stud. And so I think it's kind of a little question marky for me if he's going to remain in stud form. If he remains in stud form, I mean, I think that's very possible. But if he remains in stud form and Khan performs at the level of Nuggery, then teams probably just as likely as they were last time to win the split or at least pretty close. Or if Beryl just hard carries him because Beryl was an absolute maniac last year. So, I mean, maybe you could point to not as much the player quality as much as, like, the synergy between, like, now you're going to have Khan. Like, we saw Khan and FPX didn't gel. You know, in hindsight, it's looking now like that was a full FPX team issue going on. Something was going on with that team. Because I don't even think they were bad. But maybe you have a bit of that again. It's a similar situation, right? Stepping onto a – literally, it's the same situation. He steps onto a world championship winning team. But I just want to – like, I, I want to remind people that Khan has literally been he's, – he's a two-time world champion. Okay. If Damwater are like mediocre or bad this season, is Khan like the poison pill? He's he like, might he, be he like he might be uh, what's his name? World and they didn't even make oh, worlds again. Man, who was a Damwater? Don't make worlds. Like the, the virus a hockey that player. Oh, Marion Hosa. <laughs> Marion Hosa is a high, very very good player, but like toward the like middle end of his career. Would sign. He just kept signing one-year contracts and just went to cup teams over and over and over again. And it's like, okay, similar. He was like a t- he was one of the best players in the league at the time, and just kept going one-year deals to all these like, which is very bizarre in hockey because most of the deals are three, four, five, six years. He was just one-year deals over and over to go like keep going. To, he was just like hopping from contending team to contending team. So yeah, maybe. That would that would be funny. I would feel bad because I think he's very good. But like, what the, I wrote down something. One second, what did I read? It was like uh, that speech from when Vince McMahon put the NWO in WWE. Oh, I don't know if anyone's ever watched that. Inject the poison into the that. I that's how I feel about Khan right now, dude. So <laughs> he's won, he's won he won five titles in a row with two different teams, and that was like 2018. This isn't long ago. So, yeah, I, the player very very good. Yeah, I, I think you can make an like sure Nogari's better if you if you if you think that that's fine. I think it's reasonable. But the the question for me is coaching staff. There's three. It's like it's it's coaching staff, burnout or fatigue, and chemistry between Khan and the rest of the team. And that's the questions for me because 
And, like, if that's all I'm asking, that's, those are pretty small problems to have relative to what a lot of these teams are dealing with. So, damn, why not going to be very, very good again? They just trashed everybody in the Kespa Cup. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the thing is... Damwon, as good as they are, I do think they're going to be a bet against team, especially early on, because I think that's this is the time you want to get in before everything gets settled and they develop these, this chemistry. I think some of these middle of the table teams that are pretty good, you're 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 probably going to want to not fade Damwon, but you're going to want to bet good teams against them, like your Gen Gs, your T ones. Your you're going to want to go against Damwon in these spots more than likely. Obviously, the numbers will dictate that, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, there's it's not automatic. Is I think all we're saying here. Uh, number one is T one. So I had Dan one one, but again we'll do percentages. So the big change for T one was they're bringing in uh, Danny and Zeffa, who were Dan one's coaches, and they brought in Caria for effort, like. You know, gave her, a lot of people think I think Carrier was one of the best supports in the world last year. I think Effort was exceptional. I think Effort was very, very good, but Carrier is like one of the few that I might that I would put above him. And yeah, that was a that was like a one of those rare upgrades where they already had a really good player. Yeah, and they just went for an upgrade anyway. Yeah, like I th- I think the only way that doesn't work if like maybe maybe Teddy just had like crazy good synergy with Effort and we see like maybe a little bit of that. But Teddy's been so good with so many supports over his career that I think it's just a matter of time before they gel. And got, I mean, if they're it's a different kind of a player because because I mean, as good as Effort is, I, I, Effort's very versatile, which I think goes underrated about him. He plays everything, and he's and he's pretty good. But Carry is a Carry is a game breaker. You know what I mean? Like Harry, like it's it's kind of hard to quantify that. Like he just he's he pulled so many victories from the jaws of defeat last year. Like at least a hand, there was at least a handful of them, and you don't see supports do that very often. So yeah, so it's gonna be Kana. They bring in Zeus as well as a prospect top laner. So it's gonna be Kana, and you have Cuz Elm and Owner Owner, um, another prospect jungler that's been you know gotten a lot of consideration. Faker and Closer in the mid lane, Teddy and Karia. still a Gumiusi on contract. Yeah, to, to me the only the only question is like the jungle like the tu- like the jungle situation because Cuz kind of was bad in big games, but over the course of the whole year, like he had a he had a great season overall. Just in a couple big games where it mattered, was very poor actually. So maybe there you think we're seeing Elm. We might be. Elm's been good every time he's played too, and now they have this other process. They T one. Every single season have such an embarrassment of riches. It's not fair. How do they? This is why talent development is important. They invested in it ten years ago. They invested in it back before league was even a thing. They invested when they were doing StarCraft. They understand this. This is why it's important because you don't know if any of these guys are just going to fall off a cliff. You don't know if they're going to have injuries, and they always have a next man up that is actually good. They, it's this 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 roster stacked to me. I think mean, Kana was an absolute stud playing everything in his rookie season. Nobody saw. I, I think people were excited about him, but I don't think anyone saw that good a performance coming. And I mean, this team could have been at Worlds. There were just three slots instead of four for Korea, and that was it. Before before we dive too deep, uh, I'm curious, like if they had, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me which, but if they had just like one mid laner declared 
regard like say say they declared it was just closer was going to play the entire year would that change your handicap on the team um either positively or negatively just because of you know obviously the substitution potential which has some sort of synergy aspects to it or just because you think one player is better than the other for either of you guys would that have changed anything for you i would maybe slightly downgrade them just because I would make it would make me question whether or not because we saw closer play uh, just utterly stomped all the bottom teams and he looked like an absolute monster while he was doing it. Put him in a playoff situation, looked mortal. Had a couple. Now, obviously, it was his first playoff series, a lot of nerves and all that kind of thing. He was a new player just thrown in the middle of the season. But so, like maybe somewhere in the middle, like maybe he's he'll be better in that situation next time, and maybe he's also another year better. Uh, as a player, but I would, I mean, it's look. you could say fakers on the decline all you want, but it's still faker. And even like, if you just look at him, you know, in terms of like a statistical profile, he was still just insanely good last year, even though people thought he wasn't as good as he used to be. So I, I would maybe slightly downgrade them in terms of like an outright price or something, because I would be less confident that they could beat Genji and Damwon with closer starting in like a playoff series. Right. But Overall, like not that much, maybe like very small amount. What about you, John? Yeah, I think I would downgrade them a little bit, but actually, I'd have kind of a weird reasoning for it. I think, like, I think closer is pretty good. I would be a little bit worried in the high pressure situations, like you said. But I think one of my main weird, weirdly, if they announced that closer was starting, would be behind the scenes issues. Yeah, maybe. I feel like I feel like there is more likely to be behind the scenes issues if they don't start the greatest player of all time, who all their fans love, who is you know has a has the reputation that he has etc i feel like that's more likely to cause some sort of like rift behind the scenes if he wasn't playing certainly possible so, and haven't had the best off season in terms of pr exactly he had a problem with like fans and stuff in the off season i think it would be a little bit more worrying and might cause more problems if faker wasn't playing that would actually be something i would take into consideration same thing if like rng had benched uzi for gala yeah just like People would be up in arms about it, and I would be a little bit worried that that might happen and cause issues behind the scenes. But in general, I think closer is very good, and and I think we'd be fine with him. All right, yeah. yeah I, I think there's con- conflicting factors there because, like, I do think it's harder to handicap a team accurately when you don't know who's going to play. Just in general, right? Like, yeah. and that's that's one of the things we have with LCK in general that makes it tougher. Um, but like, if they're, I don't know, like. If for some reason, like this year, you know, last year was just a tip of the iceberg, and this year they're going to want to do the whole, like, we're going to trade off every series type thing, like, that would make me a little bit more uneasy about them, I think, just because you you have no continuity. But I don't know. It's just I, – I, that's why I was curious, just kind of get you guys to stay. Huh? Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll tack on one more thing, and then we'll get to our percentages here. Like, yeah, it makes me a little bit uneasy, but – as much as you could say, like, there's less continuity, like, the even the subs on this team get a lot of reps. And and they all played together last year. So, even, like, the subs have all played together. They're all from the system. Kerry is the, Kerry is the, new, the new one. So, even in that kind of situation, like, if you average it out, like, if it becomes, like, T1 jungler, if any, if any of those junglers pop and have a good season... I, I, they're the best team, I think. So, like, and there's the situations like that in each. Like, if Closer ends up being better than Faker, and you have to start him over Faker, 
because he's outperforming Faker, that's a good problem to have, you know? Like, that's, so, like, I kind of see that across the board with this team. Like, these junglers, yeah, like, maybe you could make cases that they're not, like, the best at their position, but they're all, like, in that, like, at the very least middle of the table consideration. Like, even, El- like, Elm and Cuz both, right? And then Owner, we don't know. So, if, like, any one of these guys is having an exceptional season, all it takes is, like, one person to have an exceptional season and everyone else to be at, like, their a- their career average for this team to be, like, the like the best team or, you know, one of the top two. That That's the way I look at it. It's, like, their, their floor is so ridiculously high that, like, the only thing you're questioning is the ceiling, basically. So... And it's like kind of like a high floor enabling high ceiling kind of situation too, but that's like a different dynamic we could talk about a different time. So let's do like – so we did our percentages. There are – that I could find no futures markets for the LCK posted anywhere. I'm going to take a brief peek back. Yeah, nobody said anything. So I haven't seen them posted anywhere. If that changes, we'll update you and you know we'll probably touch on something next week. But uh, I – I guess we'll just each go down and do our own here. So my S tier, I had I put Damwon at 26%, T1 and Genji at 24%, just like a slight bump to Damwon. Uh, my A tier was each of them had 6%, each for KT, Afrika, and Hamwa Life. This is chance to win the league, by the way. And then the last three for me all had 2%. So I copped out. I didn't even differentiate between them. I just, like, threw them all in a basket, right? Usually I'm Mr. Granularity, but, like, I really don't know. There's so many questions in this league, right? Mr. Granularity's got to be, like, the name of a future show, by the way. He just came up with that. New Twitter handle. Uh, John, what about you? I'm super sorry. I was zoned out for a second. Repeat the question. Uh, so just your, your percent chance to win the league. Just go down your go down your list. Okay, so I start off I'm, – I'm very, like, also my, – my people are just very close together for the people that I think can win. Like, really, I clumped it into the top three. Um, I have T1 at 28%, Damwon at 26%, and then Genji at 21%. And <clears throat> that's about how I feel, honestly. I said this before we got on the show, but it was like, I know it's a little wonky to have three teams that close, but it's kind of how I feel. I want to see how they look coming into the beginning of the league, and I feel like any of those three teams are pretty like capable of winning the league. T1 just slightly more so than Damwon, and those two teams reasonably more so than Genji. Um, and then it drops all the way down to 8%, like for the next team, all the way from 21% to 8%. And that's Red Force. My boy's <laughs> Red Force with the full 8% to win the league. Um, mostly because I think I just think they have a really high ceiling if things are going perfectly for yeah. them. Uh, things have to go perfectly for them for them to even be in the running to win. But if things do go perfectly, I think they're very high ceiling. Um, then I have KT Rolster at 7, so just 1% lower. And Afrika at 5. I think Afrika, in order for them to win, and probably the same with KT, it's just about two series where they just run good, basically. Yeah. Or two series where their opponents don't look good or they just catch fire. I think the chance that a team like an Afrika or a KT is the best team in the league is basically zero but they just have to catch fire. And then 3% for Sandbox and 2% for Hanwha Life. Um, I didn't even give a percent to DRX or Brion. That's fair. All right. So similar idea, like clumped toward the top here. Josh, what about you? Yeah, I was a, I was a bit more uniform across it all. Uh, we kind of talked about our theory with this last time. Um, for me, I think this is a pretty close league in general, but I do think that the top four 
um, are a clear step ahead for me. For me, that was T1, Damwon, Genji, and Hanwha in that order. Uh, so the way I actually approached this was I started from the bottom and then decided that I thought that those four, in my opinion, were about a 75% odds to win the league. And so then I divvied up, divvied up the 75% amongst those four um, as follows. I gave T1 21% as the slight leader. Dam won 20%, just, just barely behind there. And then a bit of a step down here to Gen G. Um, again, as we talked about it, more from the, that is really just like a prove it thing to me. And then I put Hama life at 16 and a half. Um, look at, I mean, if I went back, I don't know, like John and Gelati, I, I definitely trust both of their judgment. So I, I may be being a little bit optimistic here and a little bit starry eyed at, at the Chovy Morgan, uh, solo lane potential here. Uh, but I do think that this team does have enough potential for me to put them in there. Um, I might be a little bit overconfident. You split the difference, maybe. Kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they should be, you know, closer down to like 12, 13% or something like that in their own, in their own tier. Um, then I have, uh, my next tier, I have Afrika Sandbox KT Rolster. I have Afrika the clear or the leader there at 8%, followed by Sandbox at six and three quarters and KT Rolster at five and a half. And then my final tier, uh, I, I listened to John talk about Red Force too long. So I <laughs> ended up giving him a few more percentage points to have Red Force at three and a half percent and then DRX at three quarters of percent and Freddie at half percent. All right. Cool. Cool. So what I'm going to do is I'll give you guys some time to like fine tune these if you want to go back and look at it like tonight or tomorrow or whatever. And then like sometime tomorrow afternoon, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to, put these on the gold card Twitter and I'm just going to pit like I'm going to pin them or whatever. And, and we'll, we'll have like our power rankings for each league uh, tweeted out by that. So people can go back to it and everything and look. And the main reason we, so we've been going through this market making exercise uh, as a way to, ex- we've discussed it with the futures and everything. Like a couple rules, like John said last week, you're not betting on the best team. There's no, there's no market for who the best team is. You're betting on who's going to win the league. So if it's basically if you give a team playoffs and they can win a couple series, especially with the new format change, which we'll talk to more when we get to the actual LCK, but the, the LCK is getting away from the gauntlet playoff format and they're going to a more traditional double elimination bracket. So um, specifics we'll touch on when we get to that. So none of us, the highest percent we had on the board was T1 at 28%. Just to give you an idea, that's like plus 257. So. Again, when you're looking at futures for these kind of outright markets, there's a lot of juice cooked into it, you know, between 20 and 40% for most outright markets. So you need to have a team that like vastly exceeds that. So if you don't, if, if you see T1 at, you know, T1, if, if I remember right, had some pretty nice prices actually. You could get, if, if you can get T1 at like plus 500, then yeah, maybe that's a consideration for you. But if T1 and Damwon are, plus 120 and plus 140, that's probably not worth looking in. It's probably not worth tying up that capital for. So we're going to tweet these out. I'll have it form, uh, formatted in a way that you can see the translation to the odds, decimal in America, and you can kind of get an idea for um, what that looks like. And we're going to do that for every league. We did that for the other two already. So, yeah, that's the LCK. Uh, took us a little while, but we also have – anything else in the LCK, big picture? No? I think we kind of touched on everything. Uh, we have week one of the LPL, the League of Legends Pro League in China. So week one starting up on Saturday. 
I want to take like a, a little bit here and discuss how you're going to approach the like really how you're going to. This is like an overall principle for every league, but we're going to use it as it pertains to the LPL specifically. How we tend to evaluate teams that have made a lot of changes, teams that have not made a lot of changes, who you're high on, who you're low on, how much do you boost these teams, and how are you playing heavily at the beginning of the season? Are you playing light at the beginning of the season? Because I think there's a whole bunch of different ways to go about this successfully, as but you need to have a process and a system through which you're doing it. So I guess we'll just go person to person, and I'll let John go first because Josh had to step away for a second, so he'll kind of pick up on the context of this question from John answering it. But like, how much how much credit do you give to like your priors, or do you stick mostly to like your like your preseason rankings and tier list? I'm 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 a, the kind of guy who's pretty heavy early in a season. Yeah. Um, I like to formulate pretty strong opinions in the off season about things. And I like to try to hit the anvil while the iron's hot or whatever they say, you know, uh, <clears throat> try to, the books obviously haven't made for the most part are not going to be on the same page with me for a lot of the teams that I think are on the come up. And so I like to try to take advantage of that as much as possible at the beginning of the season. And it can be one of the most profitable things you can do, but it can also be one of the biggest pitfalls. Um, I've definitely had teams, my biggest league of legends bet ever, uh, where I put the most money in on one game was golden guardians. When they first picked up the DeMonte roster playing against somebody bad, it was like Dignitas or somebody who was just bad and I was like, I'm so all in on this Golden Guardians team. This Dignitas team is going to be bad. And I just piled money onto that game. And Dignitas just won the first game and then proceeded to just be awful. But like they won it was the like first. like X12 or whatever it was. Yeah. But you also have, you know, if you're just wrong, you know, you just think, like I, I said, I think HLE is going to be the big underperformer in Korea. If I'm just wrong and they're just good, then you can bet the first game and they, they win. And you're like, okay, well, I still think they're going to be bad. They just just one series. I'm not going to change my whole opinion of them off of one series. So you bet against them again and again, and you can lose, you know, two, three, four bets on a team before you're finally like, okay, look. I mean, if you don't see something spectacular in the first game or two, then you can just say, you know, it's one series. I still need to stick with my thoughts about this team not being great, and if you can dig yourself a pit. So it has ups and downs, but yeah, I tend to be pretty heavy at the beginning of the season, wanting to take advantage of the fact that I feel like I'm better at adjusting to how strong the teams are than books will be. Yeah, and I kind of had like a bad in in years past. Really, basically my entire time handicapping league, that's been my I've been not heavy, but I I'm strong on certain like approaches, like like certain teams or whatever, and I I will stick to my anticipation of it. For the most part, it's been very very good to me because similar the the books. I guess I'll just do a brief digression here. The books basically. They tend to favor teams that haven't changed much that were good last year or that we've seen at the World Championship, for instance, right? This isn't a super liquid market. It's not the NFL. So there's they're not, like, super tuning all these numbers based on action coming in. Like, we're not to that level yet. So all of this, the book's priors are based on the future prices, and then they adjust the game lines based on what's coming in. So the game lines they'll adjust for action, but the futures price they base everything on like their like the book's power rating, so to speak. If you're thinking like traditional sports sense here, right, is based on their futures setting. Like that's where they're going to open stuff at, and they tend to favor teams that were good last year, and they really really favor teams that were good last year and didn't change anything. 
So if you look at like the top six teams in the LPL, just for example here, right? Um, the top six teams in terms of futures price going into this season were top esports, Invictus, Fun Plus Phoenix, JDG, Team WE, and Sooning. Those are teams that were good last year or had a good world showing. These are these are like your top, essentially your top six from the regular season last year, besides Fun Plus. And Fun Plus had a big acquisition and kept four people. All four of these teams, not a whole lot of moving parts, right? So that's like how they formulate this stuff. You need to keep that in mind. So what ends up bringing it back to what we were going? That was like a brief digression there. That's how they're 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 coming up with things. Over the course of the season, they they collect bets and they. You know, they determine markets that way. But at the start, that's how they do it. And if you just have the re- like the right read on something, it's extremely exploitable because the numbers here are, are so much bigger than they are in traditional like you know, like a money line for a hockey game or something like that, right? So you there's some pretty big edges to had be had if you're right. If you're not right this is what happened to me in spring last year in the LCS specifically. I dug myself a huge hole because I insisted that TSM were going to be a good team. By the end of the year, that was right, but I was way too bullish for way too long. So I think if you're going to have – you need to keep your head on a swivel if you're going to be doing the aggressive early strategy. I'm actually probably going to be dialing back a little bit on that this year. Not because I got burned last year, but because I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach this year. But there's definitely advantages to be had for attacking it early like John does because the the lines are just way off. And if it doesn't pan out that way, you don't want to be results-oriented about it and just assume that it's not good because it lost this year. But you do need to be ready to adjust pretty quickly. Like, you don't want to you don't want to panic and ditch your, your preseason evaluation right away. But if you see a couple red flags, it's probably time it's probably time to reconsider some things. So, yeah, a little more higher variance doing it that way, but like you know, it's higher highs and lower lows. That's the way it's gonna go. So, Josh, how how do you tend to evaluate like the early weeks of the season, just in general, like any league? Yeah, I, I unsurprisingly, as the annoying, boring numbers guy, like to wait until I have a decent sample size on the team and then go from there. I think my biggest win last season was on an SK upset of G two, which was I think came like three or four weeks into the season in the LEC. And I remember being on this show and saying I thought that SK's numbers looked like they were undervalued. And then after I looked even further and saw that like my model actually showed SK being a better team than G2 um, based on just purely purely statistical numbers that have been put up so far in the season. And that's like, and so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm all in. And that was like a plus 500 underdog that I hit, you know, for a full unit. And you don't get those opportunities too, too often. Um, so I'm kind of the opposite in that approach. In the early season, I definitely think it, it makes sense if you do think you have an edge to, to attack it. I would just say be smart. Cause like the problem with going into a hole early is like any gambler's fallacy is like, Oh, I can work my way out of it. And then you end up over betting later on and later on. So I think John is a proponent of the one unit every bet strategy, if I remember correctly. Um, so I would, I would suggest maybe even, even if like, if, if the gambler's fallacy is something you've struggled with, and I'm, I personally have struggled with that in the past, especially in DFS, um, then you really need to just be really hyper focused on, like Vince is saying, create a strategy and don't vary from it, right? Again, like this is a year long, right? You're, you're betting, your plan is to bet you league. 
from January until when the season ends in October at Worlds. So if you go down 20 units in January, okay, but that doesn't mean now we got to start taking home run shots only, right? Yeah. So you got to be like able to embrace that variance because like John and, and Vince said, if your preseason read is wrong or if you just flip the wrong side of the coin at the end of the day, you know, a few times back to back to back, then you can't just start chasing losses really hard. So definitely, definitely just make sure you have a set strategy up and where you, where you're willing to, you know, go to. We should do a whole, we should do a whole show on like all the cognitive biases and, and stuff like that. I that would actually to, be a pretty good show. Go ahead, John. I was going to say, I just wanted to add to that, that like, yeah, I've seen, I can't tell you how many talented or really smart betters I've seen, like just completely tank not even necessarily over the course of like uh, like a month. I've seen them do it in a day. Like where they were just talented for they were talented for literally 6 months and sharp and then one day they decided that like the over on this football game was a brilliant play and so they bet it really hard and it lost and then they hedged into the second half over because they're like, well, I mean, are the it doesn't look like it's going to hit or whatever. So they just start betting more bets in that game because they're like, well, I was going to be right. And then they lose, and now they're down too many units for their mental. So then they bet the next game, and they throw three parlays in, you know, because they're just trying to get back that money that they lost on their Chasing. sure thing or whatever. And yeah, and they can just literally tank. They'll be up, th- they'll be up forty units over the course <laughs> of three months, and then lose forty units in one day. Uh, no, Josh, I believe I just made like a million units on eSoccer. That was my. <laughs> <laughs> I have not uh, experienced that recently, though I have experienced it. That's a. That'd be a it was. Didn't you, didn't you say you did this on like a Chargers game or someone? Oh, oh no, I did have three bets in one game. That was on that Indiana, that Indiana game. Yeah. But it was the opposite. I wasn't tanking down because I was losing. I was just getting more and more confident that I was right, and then the comeback we, of the decade dude, occurred. And, dude, we have to do. We have to do a cognitive bias show. We would have so much fun doing that. This is a good idea. Yeah, we this is because because yeah, like no, you're right. great like All in three. this conversation alone we've discussed tilt chasing um I mean we didn't directly call it that but like there's John's like the whole concept with like going bullish early like you that the, the dangerous part about it is like there's anchoring bias right anchoring bias is like I have a firm stance on something and you can get yourself in trouble sticking to it too long and there's a delicate balance it's like kind of an art honestly to knowing. Okay, when when to call it quits, basically, like before, like you know, before it gets too bad, because you can have too strong of an opinion, uh, you can be overconfident. There's, there's like a whole bunch. We we touched on a whole bunch of them just in this like you know two minutes alone. So yeah, that we should we should do that. That would be a fun show. I mean, we'll do that between seasons or. Oh, we can tell all kinds of great stories. I'm sure we all have oh, some yeah. hilarious stories. Oh yeah. Too, so, um, so like I don't want to spend too much time on this. But we got the first five days of games out. Uh, we'll just do pretty quick. We'll we'll try to keep this quick because we've already run pretty long here. But uh, top esports and up. Uh, sorry, I want to do one more thing because I actually started writing on this and I want to get it out to you before these games start this weekend. And if you want a more detailed version of this, I'm going to have my preview for the first weekend of games for the LPL up all, over at the esports department. And there's a lot of sweet information I think you're going to want to have in your hands for this. I'll touch on a couple things. Uh, just give a little taste here, but it's also relevant to this week one. I went back and looked at spring last year. And I know trends are not necessarily always indicative of things, but I, I wanted to point the one thing that trends do help with is seeing the big picture, not a specific team, right? You know, if this team's 
you know, this good off of a loss. That That's not always relevant to anything. It almost never is. What is relevant is if you can spot big big picture trends in the league. Oh, more games are going over in this amount of time, uh, whatever. So I took a couple of – I took three pretty big picture trends that I, I was thinking about. And I went and looked into like a line history on everything and pulled a, pulled a couple things out. We had kind of had two different week ones in the LPL last spring because they played the first week and then we had COVID. So we kind of got a double week one experience. A little bit odd. But I wanted to point out a couple things specifically for the LPL because we're going to touch on. There were 34 matches in the first, if you want to count the first two weeks, it was really like the first three weeks. It was the first week and then the first two weeks after that. There were 34 matches that were played. There were eight underdog 2-0s in those 34 matches. Eight. It's a little, it's a shade under 25%. The underdog won 2-0. Uh, it was LGD beating Top, Sooning beating Billy Billy, which some of these are going to look funny now that we know the context of everything, but just think about it. Not all of them are. LGD beating Top Esports. Sooning beating Billy Billy. EDG beating E-Star. Sooning beating EDG. RNG beating top esports, Rogue Warriors beating Sooning, and E Star beating Rogue Warriors. Couple of those, okay, like E Star ended up being pretty damn good in the spring, and they beat up on Rogue Warriors, who was pretty bad. So, like, a couple of these look kind of goofy, but uh, the point is, we got a bunch of those. I think more interestingly, favorites only had a combined 20 and 14 money line record, like match record. Favorites were 13 and 21 against the map spread. So. Hypothetically, if you were... I just took lines from one book for this. If you were to bet, like, one unit on every single underdog plus 1.5 for those first three weeks, it would have had, like... What was it I came up with? It was, like, an 84% ROI. Now, that's not repeatable. That's not something you should point to and be like, oh, that's an automatic lock or whatever. But even if that regresses... The whole point I looked into this was we look at it in every league and unanimously in every single league... The first week, especially in spring, not as much so in summer, but the first week in spring is super high variance. There's a whole bunch of factors that go into this. You had the good teams had extended off seasons, a lot of times playoffs and worlds, so they had, you know, less time in the off season. You have a lot of moving pieces, especially on those good teams. But that co- that works for the bad teams too cuz they may be upgraded. Um that's just a couple of them. Like you have coaching changes, high the game itself is in its they do the preseason patch, so the first couple months of the season are usually the game, like Riot figuring out how to balance the game, so you get some more high-variance outcomes there, too. The TLDR on all of this is, yes, underdogs early is actually a thing. No, the books are not accounting for it. So, like, in a, high, in a more highly, like, in a more liquid market, people would catch up to this stuff, and people would know it. This is not happening here, at least in these opening LPL game slates. So I just wanted to touch on that uh, because I think it's 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 the whole concept of it is important, but you can back it up. And if you go back, we did this in, in the LCK. We did in the LCS. We did in the LAC. We did in the LCK. It's It happens every spring. It's a lot less so in the summer. But spring, week one and week two, it's weird. Good teams are figuring things out. And we've talked about this in the past, too, but this is as close as these teams are going to be. Like, the longer the season goes on, a lot of times the good teams separate. So, not always the case, but a lot of times. So, yeah, I want to take a few se- a few minutes to, to discuss that as a concept. Do you guys want to, like, tag on to that at all, or do you want to just get right into these? 
I do just generally agree with the strategy. I think you should, as an overall strategy, I think you should overvalue underdogs in the early few weeks, yeah. especially if they're an underdog that you think punches up well. Yeah. And devalue your favorites just a little bit. Yeah. T- to me, it's it's less about overvaluing your underdogs because the value is there on them. The books give you good prices on So underdogs are cheap. To me, it's more about you should probably avoid favorites. More than backing underdogs necessarily, like avoid favorites because it's high variance at this time of year. So, if you, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see a couple big favorites here. That, I mean, let's just we'll go right into week one, and we, there's a good example right here in the first game. The first game, we have a uh, top esports against Sooning. Top esports are minus five eighty eight against Sooning plus three fifty six. The top two zero is is minus one fifty six. Look, we all agree top are probably going to be the best team in the LPL, or they're at least going to be in that echelon. And we all agree that Sooning, you know, there's some changes in the offseason. They kind of ran hot at Worlds. Uh, probably going to be overrated for a little while until they figure things out. But this is a perfect example. Like, these are two solid teams. Both had long offseasons. Like, I'm, there's just no way I'm laying 588 with top esports in this spot. Not in the first game of the year. Sooner you're going to be more prepared for this game than they're going to be prepared for any other game the rest of the season. So, there's no way I'm laying top esports. You can make an argument for or against backing Sooning here, but I'm absolutely not touching top esports. That's kind of like where I'm going with this. So, with this match in line, any any positions here? I like Sooning plus 1.5. You can get plus 114 on that. That's That's where I would be. Yeah, the stunning plus 1.5 seems pretty good. I mean, it is a little bit worrisome uh, that Wan Feng's not going to be there. Uh, but I think Jin Zhao, I mean, I don't have any problem with Jin Zhao. And Suning's a pretty good team, plus 1.5. Coming off the uh, maybe a slight hangover from the Demacia Cup for top esports, I think it's tough not to get in on the plus 1.5. Yeah, what do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think in general, anytime you can get a plus 1.5 for plus money against two playoff team you should take it yeah Yeah. so yeah and that's and keep in mind all of us were lower on sooning than the books are and we're still saying this so this is the kind of valuable spots we're talking about here next up we've got omg plus 325 against edg minus 526 edg minus 1.5 is at minus 145 uh i'm staying away from this one uh we i'm very high on edg and extremely low on omg i think omg is probably going to be one of the worst teams in professional league in any league this year uh, but again, like this is as prepared as they're going to be and as good, as strong as I think EDG are going to be. I'm, I'm not, I'm not laying these kind of odds. I'm, I'm, ah, man. Dude. I guess the argument is like, this is the cheapest you're going to get a matchup like this the rest of the year. So I yeah, guess there's a case there, but the problem for me is that I know from our I'm higher on EDG than the book, so I just want to take the minus one forty, the minus one forty five for the minus one and a half. What it? Sorry, this, I, this is you, see, this is the one to me. This is like the only one that really pushes that boundary. Yeah, that's what's tough. Is like I think I, OMG are very bad. Like that's the other yeah. thing. Oh man, this could, I, this could be an exception. I think I'm not going to. Yeah. but I, I could see I could see this one being like the yeah, one I, spot. I think I'm leaning that I would take that minus one and a half, but it's gonna it would have to be something I'd think about. I think it's it's definitely not as straightforward as I as as it seems, and there's probably gonna be better spots to take EDG coming up, but 
man, I, I am a pretty big fan of that spot. It, it'll be interesting though to to see who EDG trots out uh, yeah. on opening day as well for their their starting five. Probably a pass for me on this one. I think yeah. I'm not paying the minus five twenty six. The only question is whether I want to pay the minus one forty five for the minus one and a half. We were just talking about it early season maybe not overvaluing the favorites too much. Kind of same as you. I don't want to bet OMG because I think they're really bad. But as far as like betting against them, even miracling a game without having really seen them that much, I think I'm just going to pass overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good spot to be in Sunday. We've got team WE minus four thirty five against rogue warriors plus two eighty five. I'll say rogue warriors to take a game is at minus one thirty five. So, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of this line either. I gotta say, yeah, the minus four thirty five feels too heavy to me. Um, but also, like, I don't want to bet. Uh, one thing I like doing early in the season is betting underdog two zeros, which you were just yeah. talking about. They were pretty successful. If it's an underdog that I like, I like betting underdog two zeros. But I, I'm so bullish on we and the plus one point five is still minus money, so I'm not excited about that. It feels like the only possible bet here would be WE minus one and a half at plus 103. Once again, though, I'm not sure I want to trust two zeros in the first week, so I think I'd pass this one as well, unfortunately. I'm going to be on Rogue Warriors here 100%. Uh, probably divide up your stake in a way that uh, plus 1.5 covers your exposure on money line and uh, and the 2-0. I, I already have pegged Rogue Warriors as a better version of last year. I don't think they're going to be a particularly good team, but they are basically going to be the same team with better players on it this time. So they're the kind of team that I think they're going to thrive on, on just random individual performances and pop off games. And they're just not going to be consistent at all, but they're, I'm going to be betting on them as like a punch up over and over and over again. Like I, I, I think they're limited by, by, you know, horrors the way he plays, like the high variance way he plays, unless he reinvents himself. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm always going to like Rogue Warriors as an underdog, and that's not just because they were last season. I think they're actually a better team this season too. So as as I'm with you, John, like I like WE, but uh, this is this is exactly the kind of spot that I that I like like early in the season. I'm going to hit Rogue Warriors on this one. I'm just I, I know I know I know I always do this, but like if you look ahead to the WE's next matchup, comparative line value here is nuts on that minus one and a half at uh-huh. least. You're seeing that? Yeah. That's pretty crazy if you're wanting to go on WE. The other thing about WE is, like, not only am I bullish on them, but I find it really hard to bet against them right now because they're a pretty much the same team. Like, they have, a, they have a couple changes, but they have a lot of the same pieces, and they were very good last season. So it's like you're betting against a team that is not going to be trying to gel. Yeah. They were good last season, and they're, they should still be about as good as they were last season at the worst. Yeah, I think for what it's worth, too – WE were like kind of the opposite of LGD for me in that like they didn't make a lot of mistakes. I kind of criticize them for against like the good teams because they don't engineer their own advantages a lot of time. They just kind of wait for other teams to screw up. So like I guess there's a case if they're playing against like a team like Rogue Warriors who do make a lot of mistakes that I could I could see that angle of attack for sure. But yeah, I- I'm gonna be on Rogue Warriors. Any any you guys are passing. Either that or I'll end up betting the WE minus one and a half, but I think it's going to end up being a pass. Yeah, I think, uh, dude, I just, I hate week one because I just know I'm getting baited. Like, I, <laughs> I, but like the fact that, that WE is 
losing 10 points of value on that minus one and a half against V5, who I think we all have in a tier above Rogue Warriors, just makes it so hard for me to want to pass on this value then comparatively. Yeah. So I don't know there. That, that's what's making it tough for me. I wish I would have never seen that. (laughs) I think it's for me to the WE minus one and a half where I'll pass, but I do think what you're saying, on the Rogue Warrior side, I definitely feel like that's fine, especially in week one with the unknowns. Gotcha. Um, JDG minus one, maybe the highlight match of the whole weekend. We got JDG. This line has actually moved a lot already. This was much closer to even money before. But we have JDG minus 156 against Invictus plus 113. Invictus were actually favored in this matchup. They were like I bet uh, JDG at even. I got yeah. like a pretty decent uh, of action and on JDG at even. Yeah. Oh, thanks, John. You ruined it for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this one's interesting because I, I guess it's kind of a gut check on on how how high you are on either of these teams. I showed a little bit of value on Invictus, but it was like a it was like a, a small enough amount where it was like you'd be going on gut. But like I, I kind of showed a little bit of value on Invictus, but I don't know. I, I could I could see just passing this one and, and making it a popcorn game. It, like this if I were to bet of, this, it would be it would be it would be light on Invictus. Th- I think this is this is a great match to try to soul read if you have opinions about the upcoming season because yeah. <clears throat> I mean IG towards the end of last season wasn't very good. And there's an argument that they downgraded. I mean, there's an argument they upgraded too. That's not what I mean about like, there's an argument to, to get your money in there if you have an opinion about it. Because if you think they downgraded in the jungle and they are and they weren't that good at the end of last season and they're playing against JDG and you can get JDG at minus 125, it's a slam dunk. It's cheap, yeah. If it's you think that deal, they, yeah. yeah, if you think that they were kind of burned out and that they upgraded in the jungle and that maybe JDG is a little. You know, we saw the JDG like documentary thing. If you think that they're still a little bit bothered and Invictus upgraded and is fresh now, then you can slam Invictus at underdog money. This seems like a good spot to be betting for just about anybody, depending on how you feel about the match. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to tell yourself a story in this one. What do you think, Josh? I want to bet JDG at even money, but now I want to bet Invictus at these numbers. Yeah. Like that's so I I guess for me it's probably just gonna be a wait and see on the live movement and then kinda maybe game day look at where the lines are about settling at and where I think the value is. I think JDG should pro- – I think this is probably like a closer to a minus 130 even match. That's what, it, that's what it opened at of the two places I saw, and then it went to, it to, went closer to even a little bit, and now it's just blown the other way. So, okay. Uh, see, so I wonder I wonder if it's like – like you know how you have like uh, like buyback in like, like, like any kind of like – so they call it a buyback, which is like – you know, if a line moves pretty heavily in one direction, somebody at some point is going to be like, okay, this has gone too far, and it's, you know, a bunch of people are going to pile on at that other number. A lot of people, like, middling a number as well to guarantee a profit. So at some point, like, this has moved a lot. I My gut tells me it's probably going to move more toward JDG. So I, I'm with you, Josh. Like I kind of want to wait till game day, but there's a very strong chance that I'm just going to end up passing this. And I'm and I'm pretty bullish on Invictus this season. So yeah, I I, I should slightly slight value on Invictus. Like at this number, I'd probably do a small play on it, and then probably take some of the two O as well for even smaller. And 
yeah, we'll see if this gets. I mean, if this gets up to like Invictus plus one twenty, plus one twenty five or something, then yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be in for more. But we'll, we'll see where it goes. Monday we've got Billy Billy minus two seventy against E Star plus one eighty six. A uh, lot of questions for E Star. Uh, I think we, yeah, I, I'm, both these teams kind of have some questions, right? I'm like, a, I think, I think Billy Billy's a little more uh, known quantity than E Star is going to be, but it's it, I, I'm having a hard time kind of making a case for Billy Billy at this number right now. This is actually the kind of spot where I'm a fan of the minus one point five for E Star. Like yeah. I think there's enough questions on both sides that I don't mind putting like a half a unit on the E Star minus one and a half. Uh, I think there's definitely some reasonable chance that E-Star turns out to be way better than we think or Billy Billy yeah. turns out to be way worse than we think. Yeah. And so, decent spot to take, like, you know, pl- almost plus you know plus 450 on a, on a spot where I, I think, given the information that we have, there's no guarantees at all. Yeah, this is this is a perfect spot for that all the concepts I was talking about before we dove into this, which is, this is, like, really innocuous looking and, like, boring or unexciting or whatever, but like this is a spot where you just you just take E Star and what happens happens because like there's enough question marks on both on both sides and there's enough upside on and downside on both sides that this is like more or less a coin flip for me. So I'm probably gonna be on E Star here. Alright, uh T T. That's gonna get weird to say. I wonder if there's like some like Mandarin word that that's actually representing or something and we'll hear it, but TT, formerly Dominus, are plus 296 against RNG, minus 455. We'll say the RNG minus one and a half is at minus 125. We are all super bullish on RNG, and, eh, like, we're in the middle on TT. We think they got some upside. Too rich? I kind of like the TT side, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on RNG, but, once again, kind of early in the season, and, uh, I don't think anything's a guarantee. So even though I'm pretty bullish on them, 300 seems pretty high for one match, and I think TT is a high ceiling team. Yeah, they're so they're going to be way, like they're going to be way better than they were last season for sure. Yeah, I like the I like the 300 there actually for TT. I'm at 296, but I, I think I'm going to end up betting the TT side, even though I'm pretty bullish on. We did get that announcement for anyone that didn't hear that in between our last show that Jiaohu is going to go back to mid for RNG. Oh yeah, we should we didn't mention that. So that that kind of affects me a little bit here. Um, I'm probably less likely to bet the TT side if it was crying. We had a but super long either discussion way, about I think this the, in the Discord. <laughs> People make 300 it. is big enough for me to take a shot on TT here. Yeah, don't don't price Dominus like they were last year. What do you think, Josh? Uh, RNG is a big wait and see for me. Um, I just can't. I don't know. I know Chris says he's been hurt by them a lot, but like. I, I was we like like Vin said we talked about this extensively in the Discord and I just think that the the move for Jahu, why, because I assume he's going to end up starting I just think it lowers their ceiling while I do think it raises their floor in conjunction with that um, I the reason I was a big fan of this team is because I thought they had like a really really high ceiling yeah. and for me that means I just really want to see if if maybe that and maybe that read for me is wrong, but I want to read it and, and kind of get a feel for it before I do anything. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I'll just reiterate too, that like we just got done talking about futures and this is going to be a theme in the, in all the leagues we talk about for the first couple weeks is we just got done talking about futures, but betting futures is not betting the best team and betting futures is not betting this line in this game. So 
I mean, we've had a couple already that all three of us are compl- like, yeah, we're backing this. We're all very bullish on RNG in the futures market because the price was wrong. We like the upside for the team, but it's still mostly a price play, right? The price was just way off. We all like RNG. You know, even jo- like you questions. I think it's reasonable to have questions. Still very bullish on RNG overall, right? But this number is too big. With it's just too big this early. So yeah, I'm gonna be on TT. Um, OMG plus four ninety two against Fun Plus minus a thousand. This is a, a real test of that. You can't. Is this a whole? Is this a close your eyes special on OMG, Josh? At this number in week one, I think it is. I think it is. Honestly, yeah. As bad as I think that team's gonna be, like, uh, yeah, I think this is gonna be yeah. the first game for FPX. You don't know if there's gonna be weird dynamics going on with Nogari and, and them and the new coaching staff. They FPX dropped games to bad teams last season. Uh, yeah, I'm. God, OMG, you're gonna. Be, I, I know this. It sucks because like I know OMG, you're gonna be like one in fifteen. But like it's well, so hard to ignore. Yeah, like I mean, in week one, you know. Yeah, and the good thing about this too is that if OMG were to get dumpstered by EDG, maybe you even get a little bit. I mean, it's not going to move much. Like, don't get me wrong; these numbers don't move much when they're already this high. But you might get something like five twenty, five thirty. Yeah, and get more value later on on it too. So, um, I, I think it's probably worth a play at that high. I just think almost any professional team is, is yeah. worth a play. Yeah, John. Is this? I was just saying, this is a close your eyes special on OMG, right? Oh man, they're gonna be so I, bad. But like, this is ridiculous. I, think I like right? the next matchup more than this one. Right, so I pass, I might so pass, pass from you. Then? I pass the five and take up that next offer there. All right, all right, that's fine. Oh yeah, this. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. I like this a lot more. So next up, we've got Rogue Warriors plus seven thirty-seven against Top Esports minus two thousand. Rogue Warriors are plus 193 to take a game. Give me this all day. No question. I think you can't argue that as good as we think top is, we all, I think we unanimously had them number one. Yeah. That they're going to be overpriced to come into the season here, oh, yeah. especially after winning Demacia Cup as well. That's going to make the books super confident to price them like incredibly well. Uh, so I think I like this bet. And if you're going to. If you're gonna bet this, I would bet it before the Sunning match, just in case Top loses to Sunning. Yeah, it's gonna ruin your odds on Rogue Warriors here. Yeah. Uh, we, so, and we just talked about Rogue Warriors like upgrading individually, and mm-hmm. I think Rogue Warriors is in spot that kind of team that we want in those kinds of spots, and you're getting seven thirty-seven on them. I, I think I like that spot quite a bit. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. <laughs> what you get almost plus two hundred for them to take a game? You know how easy it is to lose a game in League of Legends. Come on now. Um, I kind of yeah, thought the, the plus one is kind of a lock yeah. for the record. I think that's like a, a bet that everyone should be making. Yeah. Uh, last up is next Wednesday. We have Team WE minus two ninety four against Victory Five plus two oh eight. We mentioned this one earlier, Josh, but the Team WE minus one and a half is at plus one thirteen for this series. Interesting. Uh, Victory Five. A lot of questions about. Uh, like pseudo continuity because they're like running subs, so they have like some amount of it, but still a lot of questions for them. Uh, they're running subs from last season, sorry, not not like they're announcing subs, but uh, this is again like if you're gonna back WE, this is a better spot to do it than I think against Rogue Warriors, even though I think Rogue Warriors are gonna end up being a worse team than Victory Five. I I, I agree with Josh's take that like. 
just from a value perspective, I think this is probably better. But this is, again, for me, going to be probably victory five or stay away. Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on WE, and I think I still might bet victory five here. Um, I do like to take other people's thoughts into account, and I didn't have V5 super highly rated, but the uh, LPL casters, uh, one of the LPL casters just put out his list, and he has victory five power ranked at fifth. Which I thought was pretty crazy. Oh, is this but, hysterics? Uh, yeah, but uh, taking a you know taking some thoughts from what he's got to say there, he I does do think go to the church he, he's of a, PP God. He is in the <laughs> church of PP God, uh, but I mean the roster. If I could see why people might think that, I think maybe plus two eight on an opening week game might be enough for me to take a shot on them, even though I'm pretty bullish on WE. Victory five. We had consensus ten, so. Yeah, there we go. Um, last match, we have LNG plus 283 against Invictus, minus 435. Uh, LNG to take a game is at minus 114. This is probably, yeah, again, like I'm bullish on Invictus. I'm, give me LNG here, week one. Yeah, straight LNG money. I know, I, know it's, I feel like it's boring this week because it's just like these numbers are too ridiculous. Take the dogs, you know? Like, I legitimately think you could probably just bet every underdog here. And you'll end up ahead. I don't know how much ahead. If you want to pick your battles, go for it. But I really do think, you know, that's probably the way. You want to approach it from that baseline this early in the season and then justify against it, I think, is where you want to be. Like, position yourself on that side of the argument and then make the case against it. And then in the middle of the season, you can, um, you know, start at a neutral point. So, just losing it. (laughs) I'm just – I just had to look at this again. I was like, wait – what? And then I remembered LNG as Icon, and I just I just can't wait to be in the Discord if Icon solo kills rookie. Oh, man. <laughs> I just had uh, the final pick in the $500 LPL draft, and I had to stress so hard. I want an Icon as my last <laughs> pick so bad. I was just like, man, he's going to go off, and he's going to save me. But then I ended up going away from it. But I stressed about that last pick more than any of my other picks because I was like, "How can I leave him off my team? He's still there. It's the last round. How do I not put him on the squad?" Oh man! I mean, we said with this, this team maybe the widest range of outcomes of the entire LPL, like any team in the LPL. So, I think last pick—that's exactly what you want in a last pick. Yeah. Um, Just to, uh, I think. I mean, unless you guys have anything else to say. We're just gonna do pick of the week, but I'm I'm I haven't had anything on this game. But go ahead. Okay, I was just gonna say uh, with this stuff coming up quick, make sure uh, we we've talked about it before. But make sure hopping in the Discord. I know uh, one of our priorities this this year specifically is to be able to communicate more like on game days with uh, people in our Discord. Maybe getting some sweats, some looking at some some drafting odds and how they're affecting the live bets. I know Vince Vince likes to do those. Uh, he's really good at analyzing drafts and how teams are going to play into each other. So definitely be sure to hop in there. Obviously these games are at the crack of dawn, but if you're going to be up anyways, might as well just hop in there. We'll, we'll probably try and hop in the voice channel um, before at least a couple of the games and, and talk about them and talk through them. So yeah, for sure. Good opportunity there for everyone. Pick of the week. First pick of the week of 2021. Am I going to beat you guys to this? I'm just, I'm doing Rogue Warriors, dude. Just snap it off. Rogue Warriors against top. I, I, I sorry if you were gonna do that. I just beat you to it. I never got. I never beat you. I'm always the last one in on these, so I'm doing. I'm I'm starting 2021 off off on the right foot here. 
I'll go Rogue Warriors plus one and a half against uh, Top Esports at plus 193. I do like that bet quite a bit. I went LNG plus 283 against Invictus. I think you have a very high ceiling LNG team versus a very low floor Invictus team. And it's it's not likely to turn out that LNG is better than Invictus, but given that you have one team with a really high ceiling, one team with a really low floor, and it's plus three hundred, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop in there and try to snack three units right at the beginning of the season here. Boom. What about you, Josh? There's a couple spots here. There's a lot of spots I like early in the season. Yeah, I don't want to be a donkey. You know what? Actually, I can't be a donkey and take a minus money bet on the first pick of the league. Who Who are you? Are you actually yeah, yeah. considering that? <laughs> no, you, you who is this I man? A, I was a minus money better forever until I got flamed by. Uh, uh, who was it? I forget who that was. Oh, uh, he just flamed uh, Fu Honky flamed me, and then dog team. So I, I was thinking about EDG minus one and a half and minus one forty five, but I'll the student plus one and a half for plus plus fifteen, one fourteen. I like that one as well. It's a good position. All right, cool. Uh, I forgot to ask for listener picks, so I'll put it out to Twitter and I'll let them decide, and we'll, I'll, I'll post that and factor it in for next week. So, all right, first weekend of twenty twenty one, we've got LCK and LCS lock in. Weird. This we have preseason LCS. This is wacky, right? Um, that's starting up. The actual ranked ladder for the season is starting up next week. Um, or actually today it started, right? I'm off base. Uh, tons of content coming your way at the esports department. We got a whole bunch of new people on board. Uh, Discord's gonna be super active. Definitely check us out there. I know we ran long tonight, but we wanted to get both of these in. Uh, I am gonna be releasing the LAC show probably sometime this weekend or tomorrow as a partner with this show. So you guys will have plenty of content to hold you over. And get you into the thick, you know, get you set and ready to roll for the beginning of the the season. So, yeah, unless you guys have anything else, I think we'll get on out of here. No, I think that's all for me, man. I mean, I had a wild and crazy week, but I'll talk about it on a different episode. My my big story that Jelati and, and Roberts got to hear of mine from this week. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that on a different episode. Alrighty, um, Josh, anything? Alrighty, we will see you guys next week, and uh, welcome to 2021. We got the start of the LPL season. Get yourself excited. Alright, we will see you guys next week. Take it easy. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.